10 hours. Almost 11 now at this point. 10 hours it took me to get this podcast to you. Actually, it's taken me, what, three weeks to get this podcast to you guys, actually? Uh, I don't know. I, I hope it's not been a month. I don't even want to look at how long it's been since the last po- podcast was posted. Uh, but, yeah, it took me 11 hours to get this. All right, this is what happened. Uh, after the last podcast that was posted, which was uh, Mike O'Brien, my computer... Uh, if you're a listener, you would have known I was having problems with the computer a few weeks ago. The computer again, I had problems with, and it just, it completely shit the bed. It died. It's it, it's no good. I was working on it for a couple weekends, trying to get it fixed, and I had to cancel actual interviews I had scheduled. I had to postpone other interviews that I wanted to try and get people in here for, uh, because I couldn't fix the computer. It actually, it was just, it was completely fucked up. Uh, beyond my capabilities of fixing. I'm, I'm pretty good with fixing things. So it was beyond my capabilities. And I, when I realized that, I was like, I gotta take it to a shop and get it fixed. Uh, luckily, my roommate, Jesse Miles, who's also starting a podcast uh, soon. It's, uh, it's going to be called Bombentary, where he interviews comedians about bombing and they analyze sets and stuff. It's going to be really cool. But luckily, he knows a friend whose professional day job is fixing computers. So he's like, yeah, just bring it to me. I'll take care of it for you guys. And so we did, and just waiting to get it back, and it came back today. He brought it back to us today, and as soon as it got here, I went right in the studio, setting it back up. Like, the entire hard drive, what happened was the entire hard drive was fucked. It just was no good, uh, which is disappointing because the hard drive shouldn't be that old, and it was just wiped clean. Uh, The computer came from our former roommate that moved out, Phil. Uh, He left the computer, wiped it clean, said, here, computer, hard drive. And a new slave drive. Just have it. I'm going to get rid of it anyway. I don't need it. I don't want it. I just bought a new laptop. Don't want it. Um, either take it or I'm throwing it away. And here's a audio interface for the company I work for. Um, have fun, guys. I know you're starting this podcast and you're going to build a studio. So here it is. Have this. So he gave that to us for in, in, in regards of the podcast. And I was going to use either my old laptop or buy a computer to, to build this studio here. Luckily, he just made it easier for us and gave us, but it shit the bed, and it's not his fault. It's nobody's fault. It just happened. Uh, luckily, we were able to get it fixed, and so as soon as it got here, I have been spending, I've been locked up here in the home studio, just, like, putting it back together, getting all the programs and softwares installed on it, getting the studio rehooked up, and at this time, I was adding in new hardware to the studio setup. Uh, stuff that I had, I was like, oh, I'm going to add this in. Like, more microphone setup, more headphone setups, uh, just because I wanted to, and it's going to be imperative uh, later on. So I, t- I set everything up, got everything back working, installed the new uh, hardware, and ran into a problem that uh, that I can't fix. I got to work around. It's not even a problem. It's an annoyance. Basically, I, I like everything in this studio is pretty much found or just old stuff that I've had around. The computer was given to us. Um, my roommates, Jesse and Eric, bought me pop filters uh, and new speakers for Christmas, which is sweet of them. So that's like the newest stuff in here. Everything else is found spare parts, stuff that I had lying around for the most part, like just desks and monitors that we had sitting in storage, microphones and cables and stuff that I've had. And mixers that I've had for years just sitting around somewhere. And so cobbled this whole thing together and put everything back together. Got it working. 
And the problem is that the eh, who cares? But I'm going to tell you anyway. The, the speakers, when I open the microphones, the speakers, the microphones come through the speakers. And I thought I could set it up to where I only hear the microphones in my headphones when I was recording. Apparently, I can't with the software I'm using. So it annoys me that I can't fix it. Like my workaround is just turn the speakers down or unplug things. And I don't like that. That's not pro. I am a pro. <laughs> so I ran it. Like if you follow me on uh, Facebook, you probably saw that. I was like, oh, does anybody out there think they're smarter than me when it comes to audio tech? Call me. I got a problem. I need to run past somebody. And it's not that I'm that arrogant. I just know how smart I am when it comes to this stuff. And if I can't figure out the problem, there's not very many people who know the problem better than I can. And really what it was, I just wanted to bounce ideas off anybody to see if I had every avenue checked. And I did, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter because the podcast is here. I have everything put together and I edited a podcast. I just spent 11 hours just working on this. I'm so tired. It's literally 11 o'clock at night and I have to wake up in five hours to go to work and I'm tired. And all I want to do is just give you guys this podcast because it's a really good podcast. It's a... Uh, comedian, uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna call her a friend now. We we were friendly before, but we're friends now. India Pearl, uh, she's a comedian and actress out in L.A. She started here in Boston, and she was back for the Christmas holiday. And we ran into each other. It was like, oh, hey, while you're in town, let's let's go let's do a podcast because I want to talk to you about stuff. Like her day job is nannying, and she acts and stuff. Actually, she has a movie that just came out called The Inhabitants. Uh, you can find it on Amazon and other places i'll put a link uh in the description where you can go and check the movie out because it's a pretty good horror movie uh it was filmed here in somerville in the boston area in an area called somerville and it was nice sitting down and talking with her. I, you'll hear because we talked about a lot of stuff it, it literally was the longest conversation we ever had we started the podcast off saying that and uh it was it was a good talk because we talked a lot about comedy, talked a lot about L.A. comedy, the difference between L.A. and Boston. And we did a lot of name dropping. So uh, some local, some not so local. And eh, we did that. We talked about people. We used their real names. And that's fine. So but, yeah, we talked about because she works also at a comic club over there. Um, so we talked about her having to work in comedy club. And because I. Have no experience being a woman. Eventually, we did talk about you know being a woman in comedy and being in the acting world, um, because it's a foreign concept to me. Especially like she had said that she you know she didn't really watch comedy, but she didn't have any female comedian icons, and that baffles me because I've even as a man I've always loved female comedians: Jane Curtin, Lucille Ball, which I said in there literally. At a point in my life, I wanted to be Lucille Ball when I grew up. Like, it didn't, it was never any different in my head. You know, funny was funny. It didn't matter if it was a man or a woman. So for somebody to to not grow up feeling marginalized in the world of comedy, I don't, I have no experience with that. So I need to hear it from, my, from uh, their opinion about it. And, you know, just being a woman with how scumbaggy most men are. I, like, think I'm not a scumbag. I don't know. Maybe I am a little bit. Try not to be. But like I said, I didn't know. I have zero experience for what it's like to be a woman and not see a woman doing comedy. So she talks about that. And we talk about nannying and babies 
and uh, she was a princess, a party princess for a little while. Again, eh, foreign concept to me. I would, I clearly never would have had a princess show up to my birthday party as a kid, and no one's going to pay me to show up um, as a prince or a princess at a birthday party. So it's not, I guess, yeah, I knew party clowns existed. I know there's people who dress up as superheroes for birthday parties, but it never occurred to me that somebody could do that as a princess. So that's one of the things that she does at the day job, pay the bills. So it was a good conversation about a lot of things that I have zero understanding about. So I'm really glad that she came in because it was, oh, it was bitter cold. It was terrible. We, um, she was coming back from the Cape for a day trip. Uh, and we were, our, our schedules were just aligned. Like I was getting off work and getting on the trains the same time that she was training to uh, getting on the trains to come to my place, to the studio here to do this. And we were literally actually for a little while, we were literally on the same trains, just two different cars. Like we're just texting back and forth. Like, which car are you on? Which stop are you coming through? And as the text is coming through, I'm like, I think we're on the same train. So when we get off, just, um, look for me and I'll look for you. Like she even said something like, uh, oh, I'm carrying a bag and I'm wearing a Patriots hat. I'm like, or I'll recognize you by your face because we know each other. And then we walk from the transition through the terrible, terrible cold to get here to record this podcast, which was great and fun. I enjoyed it. And I'm glad that I'm going to be able to bring it to you guys finally after so much stinking time to get the podcast out and so much work. So here it is, me sitting down, and my interview with my friend, nanny, actress, party princess, and comedian, India Pearl. This might be the longest conversation we've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, 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 okay. Most of our conversations were involved around, hey, what's up? How's things? Okay, great. Hey, that was a great bit. See you later. Everyone be safe. That right. was the extent of our conversations right. before, that, before today. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely say that uh, I have gained more commercial success with acting. So it just seems to be where my career has gone without my control. Uh, But I would, but I certainly put, I think, more hours into comedy, into stand-up. And at my age, I'm only, you know, I'm in my late 20s now, but, you you know, and people (laughs) that are not in this business don't understand that, in movie and TV world, if you're trying to act and stuff like that, for me to not have, like, a big agency and, like, a good manager and stuff like that, that's old. That's old to be just getting to L.A. So you have to have something else that puts you above other people. So when I'm doing – I'm actually doing a lot more stand-up in L.A. than I ever did in Boston. Um, Yeah, because uh, I I can only assume you are because – it was a while, I was here a while before we ever crossed paths. Yeah, I to the I point was, that uh, the first time I heard your name mentioned was two Christmases ago at the mm-hmm. Comedy Studio Christmas party. Mm-hmm. There was a very elderly old lady at the party in a red dress, <laughs> and somebody walked me. He's like, "Oh my God, is that India in in a costume? Like, is she dressed as an old woman?" Because oh, someone thought remember, it was you. Yeah, you know. And why? I was like, I have no idea who India is, That's, and they're like, uh, India Pearl. No, I, no idea. I was like. Not a clue, never met her. Yeah, because the other chick who does that. Yeah, the other chick who does that. It's uh, Mary something. I can't. I'm not going to remember her name right now. And I that's terrible of me because she's very talented. Her whole shtick is going on stage as a dirty old lady. No, and, no, this was a real old lady. Oh, it was a real old lady. She wasn't in the show. 
she was just at the party walking around. I think she oh. just came to the show. And somebody had, uh, at least okay. one or two people had mentioned, asked well, if the, that was you. So I, that's probably, that's the first time I, I remember that. hearing your like, name. Like I was doing an old lady thing. Okay. And I have YouTube videos on it. So like <laughs> me and a friend of mine, we, we got together, we made a couple of videos um, where we were these two old ladies. One was, I was the Irish Catholic one and she was this Jewish one and, and we were roommates at a complex and we both were senile and we had to like take care of each other, but we really like kept pranking each other. <laughs> yeah, this now sounds vaguely familiar, and I may have come across it. It's, by if accident. you if you look at it online, it's called Ethel and Evelyn, or the Adventures of Ethel, Ethel and, and Evelyn, Evelyn, something like that. But it's it's on my YouTube channel <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> Probably has like five hundred views tops. <laughs> uh, I think my entire YouTube channel that I've had for t- ten years has five hundred views yeah. altogether. That's Maybe, <laughs> like usually, everything. Usually, no, th- I my know that's a lie. Get around four hundred views. My older, older ones, like I did, like Kristen Stewart acting tips. I think that's go uh, around fifteen hundred, yeah. <laughs> something like I don't know. Uh, no, I know I am lying about the number though because, um, I got I I, I got banned in Germany on YouTube. One did of my, you? my my YouTube account is banned. I have to double check. Before a while, I was banned in Germany uh, because I was doing. Um, uh, these dumb rants uh, on the radio, the radio station I worked for. Right. And then I would take them and put them on YouTube p- pictures and everything. No real actual, vi- no real videos, but just take celebrities' pictures that I'm talking about. Like if I'm talking about the uh, two of the p- twins that were in Playboy or whatever. Yeah. Um, Katrina and Katrana or whatever their okay, name. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know if that's their a, a real person's name or the name of an anime cartoon I just made <laughs> up. Um. But I remember doing a video of them, and I think that's what got me banned in Germany. Oh. And it was nothing salacious. It was just basically me complaining about them. That's and so I think weird. it had something to do with them on threesome. I don't know. It was a lot of years ago, but. That is so um, weird. Yeah. How many people get banned on what? And by the way, what do you have to do to get banned in Germany? Of yeah, don't all they have tits on TV? Like regular cable there? I think. Well, they have drive through whorehouses, from what I understand. Yeah, I think I think that's true as well. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, and again, beyond all that, everything weird happens in Germany uh, or Florida. As yeah, if I you saw ever... Euro Trip. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also an old Loveline game where they'd have uh, callers back in the Adam Carolla days. He would have callers call the radio show and be like, "Tell us a, a, an effed up story that either took place in Germany or Florida, and we have to guess." And, and you have to guess which one. And it they'd was. have to guess. Yeah, the That's callers hilarious. callers would tell them tell them. I wish it was a bit I could steal. Like uh, the mid nineties, just sitting in my car listening to Love Line. Oh, if man. I could steal everything Adam Carolla did then and get away with it, I would. But... <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's the challenge. You have to use. You have to start coming up with things that are worth Adam Carolla stealing from you. I'm not suggesting he ever stole anything. I'm just saying that's. It'd be funny. No, yeah, the best thing would be, yeah, no, be- life would be better if I was good enough to be jealous of. To, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That'll never happen. I'm not even <laughs> jealous of my own stuff when something good happens. But so, did you stay in LA because the relation broke up, or yes, there- okay, yeah. So I you mean, were going to still come home. I was. Well, I no, like I'm not going to harp too much did, on, that, on the relationship. That's okay. No, we decided. Uh, well, I decided I really wanted to stay, and I guess I thought. That if I dug my heels in, he would still, he would eventually come. Which is, by the way, not a bad plan for him because he also acts too occasionally, doesn't he? Yeah. I Well, here's the thing about LA and New York 
comedy. I think they're two completely different worlds. Um, I think that you can be bi-coastal if you get a good manager, but you have to build a foundation in one city first, and you have to make sure that you have uh, specific goals for your comedy career. I think if you want to be on a sitcom and you want to do movies, then you should go to LA. LA. of course. And if you want to just be a club comedian and try to get on Comedy Central, like, you should have your foundation be in New York. And maybe occasionally do commercials or yeah, yeah. SVU or something like exactly. that. Exactly, but there's not that much stuff that shoots there. Well, Atlanta is, like, the new place to go if you want yeah. to Yeah, well, we had work. that argument, you know, time and time and time again. Um, even a year later, we still had the same argument. For, like, a long time throughout our relationship, we kept having the same argument. Like, which place was better, essentially, yeah, for, for me, which place was better? And I knew, I still think L.A. is better for me, especially considering the yeah. success that I'm having right now. And I can't, I'm not even, you know, that successful, but I think I'm doing pretty well for where I'm at, and I'm happier there, and I don't think I'd be yeah, happy we, in New York. You were just telling me that you, do, you just did a horror movie, right? Yeah, So, so this will be my fifth horror movie. I was thinking about this today. Uh, it'll be my fifth horror movie. Since being in L.A. or just No, just the, oh, ever. Right, okay. I don't know how that's happened, that I'm in these two completely different worlds. But uh, I I shot a horror movie uh, in Somerville three years ago. Okay. And it was at, it, we did a lot of out in Salem, too. And it was, uh, it was called The Inhabitants. And I played the ghost. Okay. And it was like, I mean, it's pretty scary. It's, it's cool. So it's actually, it came out, it's coming out tomorrow. January 5th on DVD and Blu-ray and it already came out on demand and on iTunes and stuff. So that kind of gave me like a credit. And then, so when I knew that the, it was getting released soon, I went to the Burbank film festival this fall, just like by myself. Cause I was like, I'm only hanging out with comics. Like I'm not really meeting the right people. I got to go like out and meet people. So I go to the the, uh, film festival and it's like horror and sci-fi night. And I have all these postcards for the movie. I'm like, this is perfect. So I met a bunch of people that night and then I met this guy. So you're basically going there to handshakes and promo the movie. Yeah. And people were so cool about it. They love talking about it. They love talking about their stuff. Like I got to know so many people that night. It was awesome. It was definitely a good choice. And then I ended up... uh, uh, getting called in just to shoot a promo trailer for a movie that they wanted to send to the producer to get the the funding to shoot the feature. And then the week later, I get a call that they want me for the lead in the feature. Oh, that's good. So this uh, feature is called Hallucinogen, and it's going to be in, when it comes out, it's going to be in select theaters. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I'm excited. No, I really expected to be like, you know, we shot a thing. It's on YouTube. Yeah, no, no, no. You actually have legit things, which is not. I would not. All right. I think I just made an asshole out of no, myself. No, no, no. Like I, it doesn't. I'm very lucky. I am not. Yeah. I don't even think I am. I would not say I'm a typical situation, but I think I'm very charming. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just so used to the DIY world, like punk rock, do everything yourselves. Don't don't put it on a major thing. India all the way. Like, my friends were making movies on and selling them on VHS that they dubbed and did everything themselves. Yeah. And their crappy, terrible quality VHS on top of everything else being crappy as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so whenever somebody actually does something that – and I'm still – it's still 
I can't understand in this day and age. Things can go from, hey, we shot it in my backyard to it's actually people being watching it. Yeah. Other than, like, I know the internet's there and it happens to everybody, but it's still, like, I can't, I don't, what is that that one factor that goes, like, this is the thing that we made ourselves down that everybody else is seeing. There is well, no key thing that makes that happen. So I'm, whenever somebody gets to that stage, I'm like, oh, no, fantastic. Yeah. It's not that I doubt they could do it. I just can't. I'm just ecstatically. You don't know how it works. Not so much that. It's more the I'm ecstatic that you somehow figured out the puzzle. Yeah, and especially I think uh, for a while, you know, when the internet and YouTube and like iPhones and like everything just became so accessible, it became so anyone could make a movie, mm-hmm. and the first people who figured that out gained success from that. Now it's like any asshole with a camera can make a movie no any asshole with a microphone and a computer can do a podcast no that's true but so so you know how hard it is just to get people to like even care or listen or watch so that yeah that's the thing that that i can't understand yeah we can make these things it's the getting people to see them yeah the reason i've done not the reason that i've personally done a lot of horrors but i think the reason that a lot of horrors get funding is because they make money you know people especially teenagers and 20-somethings, they, and then there's this whole group of horror fanatics, fanatics, you know, people who are in, like, like basically any age group, but probably more like late 30s, early 40s people that I know from, like, my sister's friends and all those people, they're, like, horror crazy people. Like, they know every director, every writer, everything from, like, the 1930s onward or whatever. So they get really into that. They blog on all these sites. They read every horror site. So, like, I'm in a horror movie that gets a good review on Dread Central or, like, we're getting all these, you know, shout-outs from places like that. And, I like, then I guess I can feel really proud about that. Like, The Inhabitants, Dread Central was following these guys, the Rasmussen brothers, since their last movie that got on Redbox because um, they wrote Tom- John Carpenter's Award. John Carpenter's award. The, the ward. The ward. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I know who John Carpenter yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he did this movie about movie. like an insane asylum that they wrote. And so that's kind of how I got, I got hooked up with them just through like another random. Movie. I've never gotten anything I have in like a conventional way. But they're the ones that made the one, the inhabitants here in Somerville, yeah, you said, yeah, yeah, in yeah, Salem? Yeah. Okay. So they're, are they Boston guys? Not originally. I think they just like it here. They okay. were, they're from Texas they lived in L.A. for a while, and they've been out here for, I don't know, 10 years or something? Okay. Yeah. I went to theater high school, and I would like to do acting. It's not a passion like it would be for you. Mm-hmm. Like, for as much as you like it, I would just do it to do it. Yeah. But across the street from here, mm-hmm. I just went outside smoking a cigarette one morning, one Saturday morning, and I see people milling around. So I walk over, and I'm like, hey, what's going on, guys? What you doing? And they're like, oh, we're filming a movie. I'm like, oh, cool. What movie? And it's a bunch of people from New York came up here to make a movie about a lesbian, uh, Ukrainian comedian. Okay. Who had to move back in with her grandmother or something like that. Okay. So they're filming at that and that and down the street. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's great. Kind of a legit thing. You know, st- still in- independent and whatnot, but legitimate work and stuff. And I was like, all right, well, here's my info because it was about comedy. Yeah. I'm connected to the comedy community here. They wanted to do a comedy show where they can film some people doing stand-up and have a real show for people oh. while still get some B-roll footage and stuff and have a place where they that their character can do her stand-up bits. Yeah. Uh, her act of a stand-up 
Even though she wasn't a comedian, she was an actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and et cetera. And then they can have real comedians and whatnot. And I was like, yeah, here's my info. Call me. I'll find somebody who can do it. And I think they actually wanted to do it in Hyannis. And they never got back to me. Okay. So it's like, all right. All right I get it. I'm, I'm comedy. I'm not the I'm not the, the movie producer type guy. I'm just literally standing here in boxer, oh, not boxer, but gym shorts and a t-shirt smoking. <laughs> Clearly, I'm not coming from the gym or going to the gym. <laughs> but that's one of those interesting things that I was like, oh, this is great. I wish I would have followed up on him. I wish they would have followed up with me so I would know when what the thing happened. comes out. Yeah, yeah. That's great that we live in that in this time where you can do that. You can just yeah find a little bit of funding and make a movie. And then, unfortunately, yeah. it doesn't always get out there. But and now this is the same time the Nick Chambers um, comedian movie was happening, too. Did you know about that one? I'm not sure. Oh. Uh, Nick Chambers, you know Nick. Yeah. Uh, he's starring in a movie about a comedian called It's Not Funny Anymore. Basically, it's a movie about a comedian with depression and how he deals with it, whatever this and that. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah. It's completely far-fetched that a comedian <laughs> would have depression. Yeah, um, I know. So... It, the the story they were telling me and the, what I knew of this of Nick's story they sounded very similar. Only one was about a black comedian, one was about a lesbian Ukrainian Jewish. Yeah, comedian. it's kind of like it's like in right now. I feel like after Funny People came out or Fifty Fifty, not that wasn't really like about. Wasn't Fifty Fifty um, Joseph Gordon Levitt with cancer? Yeah, but it was about, like, a real story that happened with that group of people. Like, it was somebody that they knew when they were younger. Was it an Apatow movie? Yeah, I, think, I haven't seen it. I'm I just it recalling was. it. I'm trying to remember. I, don't, I didn't actually see it either because I heard it was really depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I just never came across my path. That's why I yeah, haven't yeah, seen yeah. it. But, um, it, but is it – so it's about a comedian I, who would get I cancer. I think it was. Huh. If we're wrong – I'm sorry. Oh, is it the comedian <laughs> who got cancer uh, from the real world, like season two? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> did it, wasn't there a comedian in uh, real world season two that got cancer? Okay. Real world season Let's two. Let's just age was, ourselves like, yeah, for a well, second. Uh, <laughs> I was well old enough to remember it. You definitely were. I were not. No, I was not old not. enough to watch it. Let's just put it that way. Oh, I was old enough more than, uh, I, was I was old enough to watch, to watch it. I was not allowed to watch MTV. And uh, not only watch it, but remember it. If I had yep. any memory at all. But anyway. Yeah. Um, I think it was like season one or season two, there was a comedian. I think there was the only time they had a comedian. Okay, yeah. I know more about comedy than I do the real world. Well, that's good. So you have that. That's being released tomorrow. The horror movie you just did. Are you still in production on that one? Or No, we wrapped. You wrapped. They okay. did something insane. They So they ended up getting uh, Dave Brewer as the director of photography. And he is the guy who actually shot Insidious. Okay. Um, Great guy. Loved working with him. It was so tight like we did not have a lot of time because he was like oh like i have this thing like i gotta go to thailand for a month so they sped shot the crap out of this thing because they're then the same group of people are shooting another movie uh the end of this month early february they're shooting a movie called the doll and they got that chick who's the human barbie from ukraine or wherever she lives and oh. so they, they want me to do a cameo in it and get, like, murdered or something funny. Um, but they uh, – oh, I know. She, she's, I mean, she, oh. it's the Well, the premise is that she's, like, actually a doll, doll. that comes yeah. to life as a person. And it's like, you yeah. Can t- just from the title, you know what it is. Hire it a fat be... guy to play a fat role instead of getting a fat suit. I get it. I just thought – She's so cuckoo. Cool. Like, even when they say, hey, look how crazy this is. Like, no, yeah, don't click I on that link. Don't look at it. I'm not going to lie. I can't wait to meet her. Uh, 
I mean, no, if that's your thing, that's fine. That's great. To me, I don't think those people need to be given encouraged. The, encouraged. Yeah. yeah, they don't need the, the, the encouragement, the attention. Because that's yeah. why they're doing it. Yeah. They just don't know it. They, they have. So they. Yeah. We should feel. But we should look at. Uh, this is going to be the worst thing I'll ever say is people like that who are that needy. We should look at them like we do uh, mentally handicapped people where it's like, oh, they need help. Oh, yeah. And not I'm saying oh, yeah. that mentally handicapped people aren't able, uh, capable of doing things. But at the same time, it's like, OK, look, he's handicapped. We'll give him some space and some room or whatever we need to give him kid oh, gloves. Yeah, With these it. people, we should handle them the same way. I mean, she's a nut, probably. I haven't met her. You know but what? Let's just maybe assume. she's a nice person and she's totally sane. But when, <laughs> but when you want to do that, when you do that much to your body to make yourself look like a, a doll, yeah, like, it's weird. You can't. I can't imagine you being normal. But maybe no. she's normal in person, but things inside. Yeah, I don't you know, know, the wheels turning, but the ma- but the hamster's dead. I think you know. It oh, that's be good fun. for you. Yeah, so we shot At least you whole... have something to look forward to it instead of just like, hey, I get to go make a movie. Oh, no, I get to meet somebody who's a freaking weirdo. We shot the whole movie in uh, Hallucinogen. We shot it in eight, nine that's quick. days. Which is really quick. Let's just put this into perspective. And it was all night shoots, too, right? Okay. So this is how crazy I am, right? I'm getting paid to do this movie. Not a lot, but I'm getting paid like, in LA. ultra low budget. This is where it shot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They wanted me to shoot in a couple of weeks and I didn't have enough time to get time off from the uh, my I nanny like I watch a baby that's how I pay my rent most of the time but you know sometimes I get a gig like this so that's like that movie paid my rent for like a month and a half so that was awesome so uh we ended up doing doing sick I would get up at like 6 37 o'clock and go watch the baby go straight to set be on set till two or three in the morning go to sleep for like three hours and then do it again so I was like for like a week straight. At least it was only a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 having a rough week, pay your rent for a month. Yeah, it was nothing. I, I'll do it every. I'll do it every month. Oh yeah, it was nothing like you know Michael J. Fox talks about how he was shooting Family Ties and then he was going to Back to the Future at night. That's insane. Like yeah. that. These are the things you can only do like in your twenties. <laughs> I don't know how other people do them. I mean, luckily I'm not a mom because I was like, I can't imagine having to like go back at night and getting woken up by my baby. Or having to worry about someone watching your kid when you're not there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. So condoms, everyone. There's there's <laughs> yeah. a reason for them. Seriously, it it was a, it was really fun though. And then when we when we wrapped, it was like. I was like, what do I do with myself? Are we, we're done? Oh my God. And then I like went back to the house to hang out. Like the next week was Thanksgiving weekend. So I was still there like hanging out and they're like, what are you doing here? I'm like, <laughs> I feel like I don't belong anywhere else. <laughs> it's like you just got out of prison. You're like, yeah, I can't make it on the real world my, uh, yeah. anymore. <laughs> we were still there a lot before that because we had rehearsals and stuff. So I was just used to going there all the time. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> like they're like India what do you do for fun I'm like fun what is fun I don't... <laughs> people ask me what I do for fun and I'm like well I spend a lot of time at bars and they're like drinking I'm like yeah but also writing jokes and sitting around for four hours waiting to get five minutes yeah usually sometimes three that's the thing in LA there's a lot of mics that I don't even bother with because there's so many assholes that go to them that you only get three minutes and that's honestly uh, there's a mic here on Mondays that does that three minutes and I, I don't I don't go nothing against yeah. a guy no nothing I against don't the location. go to it's stupid three minutes is not enough time for me to work on something no personally I think some people ludicrous. that's fine some people are one-liners they have their jokes take 10 seconds they can get out 
Uh, 300 of them in three minutes. Yeah, so Great I have for them. specific that ones that I go to in the San Fernando Valley that I know I'm going to get five or seven or maybe even a lot, like sometimes eight, depending on where you go. And I'll Seven like, and eight in anywhere as an open mic is yeah. gracious. And, be, and it's because it's places like that where it'll be like some seedy bar in Van Nuys and it's not super popular because it'll be like a Sunday night. But I'm like, yeah, I'll buy $5 cocktails because they're fucking nowhere else is going to sell them that cheap. And I'll just hang around here for three hours uh, in this oh like dirty place, like seven or eight minutes of time because that is worth it. Oh, yeah. It's more valuable. The time on stage is more valuable than, than the money or the, the yeah, situation you're in. I'm not going to drive around to do like four mics for three minutes a piece and like at the end of that night I'm just going to be exhausted and hate everyone that's not it's just not worth it to me and it's like to me having a longer set is more important than like doing I guess more time in bits and pieces it's like when you rehearse a play you're not gonna only practice like random scenes and then hope that you're ready for opening night like you have to have tech rehearsal and do everything in order you know yeah. And I've had, like, this conversation with some L.A. comics who were like, they're just not used to anything else. And I'm like, dude, when's the last time you went to a club and you had to do 10 to 15 and you didn't fucking panic? Yeah. Because, like, you haven't done even half that in a row in who knows how long. That's why I don't. I just don't bother. No, it's, it's the same thing. And But they're, on the other side of the coin, there's, like, one guy who every uh, who runs two or three open mics now. And yeah. now he's getting to the point where he's, he's building that as, like, I give you guys, I give comedians 15 minutes, an irresponsible amount of time. It's like, all right, I appreciate what you're doing, but at the same time, I hate what you're doing. Because I don't want to sit through. 15 minutes? I don't want to sit through 15 minutes of anyone's open mic comedy, Uh, even my own. Like, 15 minutes is too much problem. And here's the problem. Yeah, you don't have to go the whole 15 minutes, but whoever doesn't go to the end of the time. How many times are you at a thing and somebody goes, how much time do I have left? If you're asking how much time you have left, it's time to get off the stage, yeah. in my opinion. If I'm ever worried about the clock or if I have enough time to finish something, then then I'm done. If I have if I have to think about, all right, uh, what can I do in the amount of time? The, the answer is nothing. Get off stage. You're done. Especially when it's like you get the light for one minute. You're like, oh, I got one minute left. What can I do in a minute? Nothing. Get off stage. Yeah, Be the you're hero. you're done with a bit, by the time you get a minute light... I'd say you don't always, it's like, unless you know you have a one-liner that you need to try, you know, it's just, and people think like, oh, it's only one minute, and then like, yeah, but it adds up, man, by the end of the night, everybody's falling asleep. Yeah, you end up sitting there for five hours waiting to go on stage because everyone took to the last very second or more. Yeah. And of course, what happens, you get the light and you're like, oh. How much time do I have left? You have a minute. A uh, minute. What can I do in a minute? Yeah. All right, that's yeah, 10 seconds. So you now have 50 that. seconds. <laughs> yeah, if you're lucky. God. Uh, so that, that's what bothers me, and that's the problem. You're going to see that for 15 minutes at his shows. And I've done his shows once or twice. Uh, I've done them twice. I can keep... You've seen me. Yeah. When you don't like me, I'll keep going and keep yeah, going yeah, until yeah. you tell me to get off stage. But I won't stop and think about something. The moment I need to stop to think about something, I'll, I'll end everything. If it's a booked show and there's a decent audience and you have people who you know can do that time, that's different. Oh, a book show with 15 minutes of material completely is fine and okay. Yeah, 15 minutes then, of like, testing things out. Yeah, no. That's just... That's just torture for everyone involved. I know. God. His heart is in the right place. He has great intentions. 
but he's just a hey, i don't think I he realized yeah. i would be shit faced by the end of the night because i get so bored oh yeah oh that well that's probably why i have black lung because because <laughs> <laughs> i don't drink as much so i go out and i smoke more yeah. that's that's my time killer like whenever i get bored i go light up a cigarette there you that's go. what i do um <laughs> a booze aside something you can't do while boozing is watching kids no. Um, you're not supposed to. No. Which So does nannying work out well for you out there? Because that's your day job. Yeah. I You have to find the right family for you. Okay. And for... Is but, it an... Are you working for an agency or on your own? No, no, no. I work for just a couple of friends of mine. They had a baby and I was working for somebody else, but I was commuting down to Santa Monica, which if you don't know the LA geography, not a it's clue. like... It basically, from where I live in North Hollywood to the beach is like 35 minutes on a good day, but in morning traffic at 9 a.m. It takes you an hour to get over there, and it's just it's awful. And then because I was only doing that part time, I was also a secretary at a comedy club part time, and I was like doing ticket sales and all. that I like stuff. how you were saying this in past tense, but when you we both know you still work there, right? Sometimes oh, okay. I'm not. I'm more of like. Well, I was working there like 25 hours a week, so about four days a week I was doing doubles, or three days a week I was doing doubles. Doing the the nannying and then the and then the club. going all the way. Yeah, so I was working from like 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Basically. Yeah. And it was it was awful. I was only making like maybe 400 bucks a week. Oh, working 50 hours and only making 400 a week. That yeah. is awful. Yeah, it was horrible. Because one thing I'm making, you know, decent pay, and then the other thing I'm making minimum wage. So I have to work, like, a third more to make the same amount as the other place. None of it's still full-time hours. No, either. and yeah. so my friends, they had a baby, and they were like, you know, we're really looking for a nanny. Would you consider being our nanny? And I was like, only if I can make, you know, X amount a week. I'm still employed at the comedy club. But I just cover shifts when people call me and need me to come in. Okay. And that way I can like, you know, I'm still, I still go in all the time. I'm still connected there and I still get my discount on food. (laughs) (laughs) That's the important thing. Yeah, yeah. And I can get spots sometimes, not really. I mean, they're not as helpful to employees as other clubs are. Okay. Which is, and no offense to you, that's good. That they're not going to show favoritism to people that work there. I disagree, though. I think there should be... Because I don't see what the advantage is for a comedian to want to work there, and I don't see who the fuck else would want to to work work there. there. True true on that. But I think it still should still be based on on talent. No, Um, that's true. And to the point where... in LA, it's not always based... And this is for any club. Comedy in general is not based on talent. It's not always based on talent. It's based on, you know, TV credits and all that crap, you know? If people can bring in people or or it's a favoritism thing. Like here in Boston, it's like... I should not... Somebody who is funny and is regularly at the club and putting in the time should not get the same... Should not be getting the same amount of bullshit time as some unfunny idiot who just brings his stupid friends yeah. to to shows. No, I, and I'm I not agree. saying this to like you know down like say something bad about the club I work for. I'm saying this for like any any club. If you're good to your people and you allow them to grow as comedians, they'll remember you when they start to do better. I think in my head the ideal situation is talent first, association second. Yeah. So even if you're amazingly talented and good comedian, but you're not here as often as somebody who is, I think the talent beats out loyalty. Loyalty will beat out... uh, uh, Loyalty will be if you're both equally good. Loyalty will trump it. Yeah. But better talent should always beat 
lo- beat loyalty with less talent. Yeah, but and that's what isn't what always happens. It's somebody who's not as good or whatever they're they're yeah. the, they're the bringer or they're a favorite or whatever yeah, or they yeah, have yeah. the loyalty. They just don't have the talent. They end up getting. Yeah. Into places or and getting they, put they on things. Get, they get those things where it's like they regularly MC because that's probably all they'll ever do. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah, no. In the long run, time will take care of those things. So it's... It's not really an insult because not everybody likes to MC. I can be a good MC, but I don't love it. Yeah. But it's it's slightly an insult when you're like... When somebody's like, oh, I like that guy. They're funny. And then you're like, well, they're a great MC. Yeah. Well, this is, I've always said, and I've been talking to people a lot about this lately because we're having a hosting problem here in Boston, in my opinion. Oh, yeah? Uh, whereas you have people who are hosting who aren't very good. Okay, yeah. Who and are great just, comedians to begin with. They have some funny stuff. It just makes the rest of the show stink. It's a yeah. hard job. Not everybody can do it. Not an easy job. And there are people who make fantastic MCs way better than a lot most comedians. And yeah. they're not that funny. Well, that's the thing about being a host or an MC. You don't have to be funny. If you yeah. can, if you I mean, have... you should be a little funny. If you, you can if be you witty can, and charming as opposed to doing all your bits. Yeah, if you, if you, uh, basically that's what it is. You just need to be endearing, charming, and welcome, yeah. welcome people and, and get the show moving. Yes, clean. You want most hosts to be clean. I'll agree with that for the most part. I think if you're charming enough, you could, it depends on, on the level of dirty. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. for the most part, yeah, as a host, you should, you should, yeah. your material should be clean. You shouldn't be talking about the time that you, that you gave herpes to a girl yeah. or whatever whatever see, that's dirty is, like, material that's one of the reasons why i don't make the best host like i can host i'll do it but i don't love hosting because a lot of places want you to be clean on the cleaner ish end yeah. when you're hosting i'm not very clean and i have like one of my friends he's like a, a close friends in, in la he's he's semi-connected he's like you know if you write 15 to 20 real clean like i'll get you some dope work like you should do that and i'm like huh, yeah that'll <laughs> that'll happen soon <laughs> he sent me one time he sent me a picture of like a note that they had at a club he thought it was funny and it said like this whole really long paragraph of all the stuff they weren't allowed to say on stage because it was a corporate event and it was like really like you have to be super clean like no sex jokes no swearing no blah 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 blah. and i go my answer to him was oh shit <laughs> the, the general response to those things is like, ah, oh, fuck me. I got nothing yeah. for this. I got shit to do with this. Yeah. I would be, I would have to go home. I would get there and be like, see you later. <laughs> Should have called Brian Regan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. It is hard writing clean and I don't try to write clean. Yeah. I just don't try to write dirty. If that makes yeah, any sense. I don't think Personally. I, yeah. I don't think I do either. And I think... But you still write what you think's funny, and unfortunately, like I don't write dirty as much as I do dark. There, there are which a lot is not of clean. people these days who I think when they first get into comedy, they do this thing where they try to do a shock factor. Yeah, 100%. and at this at this point in comedy, I find nothing shocking as much as really goddamn annoying when yeah. they do that. So it's like you're not gonna shock the audience anymore. They all watch this guy or that girl. They know Amy, the Amy Schumers and the Sarah Silvermans and the, you know. Lucy Kay's hilarious yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, about like, you know, they can, they understand like you can be shocking or crazy or weird or whatever. They're not going to appreciate something if it's just not funny. Yeah. Like, you can't go on a stage and be like, dicks, 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 periods. Like, it's just ludicrous. There is a open mic at Terry O'Reilly's in Newton. 
yeah. uh, that I go to every Wednesday. And okay. I'm, sh- I'm actually sorry because you're staying in Newton while you're in town. And I'm yeah. sorry that you're leaving on Wednesday <laughs> morning because this is a great open mic. It can be a little bit of a fight, but I love it. It's my gym. It's where I go to work out. Okay. Uh, new stuff. But it's one of those things where you kind of have to work. It's kind of, it's so similar to Cheers. Oh, on, on a, I miss uh, that place. <laughs> I'm sorry to make you sad. But it's similar in the way that Cheers was that yeah. when there was a crowd at Cheers, you kind of had to work for a little bit, but you got honest reactions from them. Yeah. This is a little bit harder work on your behalf. But when you get them, boom, you're on. You're getting honest reactions from an honest crowd, and it's great. And it's 75-25 good nights, I think, at best. Uh, maybe 60-40. Even 60-40 good audiences week to week. So there was one night, uh, and I do I'm, – I'm boisterous. I'm loud. Every joke I've ever written has a part where I just drop the microphone and shout for no reason. Like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I can catch people's attentions. So yeah. it works out well for me there. But I've had, I've watched other guys go in there, try to do similar things, try to get people's attentions, and they just, they can't do it because that's just not who they are. Mm-hmm. And one of them was, on the example of walking on stage, just yelling, dicks, dicks, dicks. Guy walked up there and just started slam. there's a, a railing. And Have you ever been to Terry Rallies? Because I know- J- I might have. J- uh, it's where I Justin think- P. Drew used to do his monthly Monday show. Okay, anyway. I don't know. There's I a banister. A there's a railing in front of where we performed. Okay. It's an awkward setup. Okay. But, so a guy walks up and he takes the mic, just looks at it and just goes- Cunt, 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 cunt. Just slamming down it and just yelling cunt. Now, granted, everyone stopped what they were doing and paid attention, but not for the right reasons. Yeah, that's so weird. He did his job of getting people to pay attention, but then they also immediately fell out because his They're jokes like, weren't good enough to follow asshole. it up. Yeah, and like and his just... yeah his jokes weren't good enough to follow up that kind of performance. Yeah. Um, instead of getting people's attention of going, all right, what well, wait. What's going on here? It was more of, ugh, what's going on here? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, can't, you can't. I can't deal with that. Yeah. I can't deal with it. And a lot of people in LA agree with this. They think, I mean, it's obviously mean, but they all say, you know, well, I started saying this a couple months ago, and uh, me and my friends, like, we just laugh about it. Like, if you, there should be, like, a board of selectmen that will say, <laughs> if after, like, three years you don't have a decent five minutes, please find another hobby. Ah, no, see, I can't agree with that. There's some people who I would love to see get thrown out for for that exact reason. But at the same time, some people have a a longer learning curve. Yeah, but three years, come on. Not to even have five where you don't get one laugh. Where everyone's like, dude, you can't, you don't even know how to perform in front of people, okay, yeah. you're a ter- you have terrible stage presence. This is not for you. Okay, if it, within three years they show no improvement, okay, yeah. yes, a hundred. Okay, that's then what yes. I'm saying. Okay, all right, all right. Like, good. I'm just I thinking think... of people who are three, four, five years into it and they're still writing jokes that aren't funny, but they still understand joke structure. You could see that they're progressing. You could see that from day one to day nine. If you they've, can see how they they've progress. still progress. Yeah, that's what I'm but saying. But st- like, they still suck there'd under progression. Be like a file on you, you know. <laughs> there'd be the like comedy Illuminati. Like you have like yeah, Illuminati of co- be like you've shown great strides in comparison to where you used to be. But it's more like a way that I wish we could just get out the crazies and the oh, assholes. Yeah. There's people, there's this one guy in L.A. who, I mean, I'm sure there's more than one, but (laughs) there's this one guy in L.A. who I cannot stand because he gets laughs because people are laughing at him 
and not with him with him they or don't at the jokes yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah not at the jokes they're laughing because he has 18 screws loose he's a vet and he's a drunk and he doesn't i don't know if he works he's crazy he just gets up there and he thinks he's doug stanhope and he's nothing like him and he's just yells all these things about government conspiracy and black people and like cunt bags and like women think this and blah 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 blah. i'm like oh my god like you're not a good person no at all nothing there's nothing you're about not that even, there's that nothing charming or appealing about you nothing about this is funny except that you're you're drunk and you're being horrible. That's why we're laughing. Like, you're not a comedian. Like, go home and go to rehab. Yeah. Like, it's it's sad. It's really sad. In his case, it's really sad. And then there's other people who are, like, legitimately... Mentally unstable. Mentally or... unstable. I don't feel comfortable having them in the club sometimes, especially around alcohol. And then there's also, you know, the cute dad... Who thinks he can write funny jokes because his wife thinks he's adorable and funny. And then he just gets like the hosting gigs because he's funny for like the old people crowd. I don't know. <laughs> like there's all there's like little examples of people who are like, it's like, yeah. Adorably funny, but not can, actually funny. Why are you doing this? It's because you're bored because you're really bored. <laughs> uh, Dave Stern is that exactly that. He's doing this because he's bored, but he's not the adorable, funny grandpa no comedy he is i am gonna say the worst possible thing i can think of right now watch you squirm yeah uh, it's so purpose what he does and people don't get it mm-hmm. i watch him because i'm sure you've talked to dave in person right yeah well he's, i don't know if he kn- he probably would not know who i was but oh he would he's very lucid he knows a lot of what's going on and he's actually an incredibly smart guy yeah when you talk to him and he can one-on-one he's funny I've watched, I've done improv with him and watched mm-hmm. him nail things. He's a not a terrific improviser, but he knows how to do improv and be funny at it. Yeah. And he'll do that. And then he'll go up and do, so my wife sucks and she'll never let me get to her taco. And when I say taco, I mean her vagina. Like, <laughs> I like the word vagina. Like that's things that are just creepy yeah. and unweird. And he gets off on watching you get uncomfortable. And I I hate him for that because he's reveling in our uncomfortableness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like him as a person. Unfortunately, he's yeah. just too likable when you when you talk to him. But so when you work at the club, you yeah. just work in the office. You don't have to do, and you don't have to actually be as a representative of the club. I'm going to have to ask you to leave or any of that stuff. No, right? I've never had to do that. I mean, I was. I mean, not bounce people. Sometimes but. I do have to. I do seat the rooms for like the main showroom. Okay. Um, I work at the cash register. Most of the time I'm in the office answering phones, but sometimes I'm covering shifts where like I need ticket sales and stuff like that. So, and it's like a fancier themed kind of place. So you have to dress to the nines to work there. One of the reasons why I love working there is because when I do meet famous people, I look fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) There's never like a moment where I'm like, oh my God, why did I wear this horrible t-shirt and no makeup when (laughs) friggin' Whitney Cummings came in and like, she's going to think I'm such a nerd. (laughs) Uh, And I will say this because I was just last night talking to uh, a buddy of mine. He was in L.A. a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, ben Quick. Okay, yeah, I love uh, him. Don't know if you knew Ben. Yeah. Um, and I'm probably just I used to book him. Name. I used to book him when I did a, I did a show. I used to book a show in Worcester. 
Okay. At Mahoney's Pub because I know the owner. I went to high school with him. And uh, I used to, I, th- I think I had him out at least twice. He's hilarious. Well, this is, yeah, oh, he's great. Love yeah. him. I love him the pieces, his comedy and his personality. But he was saying, he was just out in LA a couple weeks ago, three three weeks ago, almost a month ago. Oh. And he auditioned at Flappers. And this is to show you how genuinely nice your club is, apparently by secondhand knowledge. Yeah. He thought he was just getting the screw off, jerk off, yeah, come in and audition. And their heads are turned, not paying attention. Yeah. No, they actually called him back. He's like, hey, we'd like to book you on Sunday. He's like, all right, I'm sorry I already left town. Yeah. I can't do that date. But hey, I'm actually impressed that you watched me and that you called me. Yeah. Well, that's great that that club that you work at does that. They actually they do. pay attention to the people who are coming to the audition nights and, and moving people through. So They do. And they definitely pay attention because they definitely – I've been there when they sit there and talk about every single person's set. Oh, really? Every audition. Every week they go – they have a list of people that went up. And they talk about, well, how do you think this person did? How do you think that person did? And then they talk about, like, what nights they might do well at. And they talk about the stuff that they have coming up. So they want to put you on a show that they know you're going to mesh well with the other comedians. So I think they are very smart in how they book newcomers. Who's the woman that runs Flappers? Uh, Barb. Yes. Yeah. Holiday. Barbara Holiday. yep. I met her. She, she came over yeah. here from BCF and did a workshop. Yeah. Fantastic workshop on uh, marketing yourself or promoting She's very yourself. smart. She's a really she good is. manager. She impressed me. She's a really good manager. She um she ma- she manages um Drew Lynch, uh, the stuttering comic from yes. America's Got Talent. Yeah. Yes. She had mentioned about that, mentioned him. She mentioned yeah. a few of her client clients and stuff and yeah. she gave us like packets and just her, her time and talking and it's like I've looked at a lot of personally look into a lot of the marketing people that try to help comedians like hey comedians let me show you how to market yourself but you're a marketer you're you work in PR yeah it's like they don't know anything and that's the reason why I went is to see what she was, mm-hmm. was going to teach she, everything she did was great points she was right she understood where she was coming from why to do things like I had the our Boston comedy stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've come across it uh, since you've been in LA now, but accounts. oh, I think you follow. Yeah, you, the, you followed my account on Twitter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, I yeah, my actual personal account doesn't follow you. That's probably why I saw. Uh, that's why I, I must because if, 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 you posted a picture of, from Cape Cod today. That's how I knew you. Were yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was going through Twitter and I was like, oh. I literally thought you were in Cape Cod. You were going to message like, oh, I totally forgot about this. <laughs> so thank you for taking the train from Cape <laughs> to do this. Uh, but I uh, – so I run all that stuff. I went to a guy who is a marketer who tries to help comedians. And I asked him, like, hey, listen, I want to increase visibility on what on, on what I'm doing through social media. What's a good budget to start with on Facebook and Twitter ads and stuff like that? And he goes, you know, if you really want to in, in, increase your, your – clicks to your website what you need to do is start an email list because email lists are the new podcasts and it's like all right you know what dude yeah i've no. read that shtick and that's not helping it's not what i want nobody do. gives their email out anymore because they don't want junk yeah well no, the email lists work but the only people that are working for are other marketing people yeah like the only people who are having success with email lists are marketing people's and it's all Email list to see how to be a better marketer, better be better at PR. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a snake eating its tail, and they don't see it. Yeah, and that PR marketing. I can't wait for that whole industry to collapse in on itself. PR marketing right now to me is the new new sales as to what sales were in the nineties and what uh, acquisitions were in the eighties. Okay, it's the hip cool job where you get the job, you make a lot of money, but you don't actually 
do anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. In my opinion, I'm sure there's somebody in marketing is going to hear this and <laughs> they can send all the hate tweets they want to me at Dead or Dennis and I don't care. I can block <laughs> them. <laughs> so it's good that you work for a club that actually knows comedy. Yeah. They have to know that they are only as good as their product, right? Yeah, I would say I like how the way best... we mentioned everyone else's name involved with the actual name of the club. Oh, yeah. So it's Flappers Comedy <laughs> Club I in don't... Burbank, California. <laughs> I'm not avoiding um, giving them no, a No, no, I forgot. I, like, didn't think about giving it. I'm so... No, but... I'm not saying we should plug no, them no, or no. we shouldn't. It's just funny that I... we've, we mentioned the owner's name. We mentioned yeah, our friend yeah, yeah, who yeah, yeah. there. Well, the thing is about We've mentioned place, you who work there. They have, like... In my opinion, the best food in any club in L.A. County. Okay. I think. <laughs> um, Which is is and it's not important when it comes well, to a comedy club. Here, having good food is a bonus. Having food is good. Having good food is a bonus. And not only that, but they have normal price drinks. You're not going to go there and get an $8 Coors Light and hate yourself at the end of the night. It's like you go there and you get a normal price beer, a normal price cocktail, and you get a normal price meal, and it's good, good food. And you can sit there and feel like not only did I have entertainment and enjoy this really awesome show, which on a weeknight, it's like 10 bucks to get in, like maybe 15 depending. And then if you want to go to a main room show on the weekend, unless it's somebody like Maria Bamford, where it might be might be like 25 to 30 bucks, usually it's only $20. Yeah, so you're getting a headliner for 20 bucks. You're getting a really good show. You get to sit down. You have a table. You have great service. And they have like amazing menu. And like I – obviously I'm a little biased because I work there. But other places like – and I'll say this because I don't really mind, like, saying it, but, you know, I hang out at the comedy store, and the wait staff are not very nice. And it's, like, $9 beers, and it's, no. like, their food comes from a microwave, and they have three things on the menu. Ugh. Well, the comedy store, uh, I only know of as legend, so. Yeah, the comedy store is a tourist. Attraction. Attraction. Again. Again. And you can... Definitely have a good time there, but because it's on Sunset Boulevard, it's overpriced, and I don't think it's, like, worth your money. As a comedian or as an uh, audience member or both? I guess maybe both. I think if you're going to visit L.A. and you've never been, it's fun to go. But if I were an L.A. resident, I'm not going to go there on the regular. Like, I'm not. I would say Flappers is more is a better place to be like a regular guest. Okay, but that's good to know. I, and like other places too, like even I'll say that about the Ice House in Pasadena, they have really good, they have a decent menu and like fair prices as well, and they get big people in there too. In Boston, out of the places, the only places that have food are places that do open mics. Yeah, Laugh Boston has food, but eh, um, it's not terrible. It's fine food. The place that had the best food out of any place that did comedy, including open mic places, my opinion, King's mm-hmm. Bowling Alley. And unfortunately, we lost oh, that open mic. Oh, my God. I love King's. They are a little bit pricey. Yeah. But their but it, food their is... Their steak tips are dope. Their food is worth the price, though, yeah. too. That's the good thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm going to pay a little bit more for the burger, but that burger is going to be worth that. Well, not the burger. But whatever I order. Yeah, it's going to yeah, be a little yeah, bit more yeah. expensive, but it's going to be worth that a little bit yeah. extra because it's actually really good. And then yeah. Tavern... But it's also, again, super good for different reasons. Honestly, okay, Tavern at the End of the World, my favorite open mic in Boston. I don't love their food. 
Okay. But that's just me. Like I, I'll get, I'll get certain things, but I don't. I'm not like in love with everything on their menu. Okay. I don't, you know. But it's a pub. It's just pub food. It's not. It's good pub food, and I think that's where I distinguish it as it's really good pub food. That's why it's different than Kings. Yeah. Uh, It's really good food cooked by a cook, whereas Kings is really good food cooked by a chef for the most part. There's some. Cisco product in there, like frozen product, but they actually make some really yeah, good, yeah, decent yeah, yeah. things. Um, but now that I think about it, the only thing I've ever had at Tavern has been the Cubano. Uh, and it's a okay. good American interpretation of a Cubano, <laughs> um, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It, it serves all of its purposes. It's the, the meat's fresh. The bread's cooked properly. The fries are good. The whole sandwich is, is fine. Um, yeah. I've had people make... I've not, never been to Miami and had an original or Havana and had an original one, but I've had people say, yeah, no, I learned how to do this there. I'll show you how to make a real one. I've worked yeah. in places that did that. It's like, there's a world difference between one that's made traditionally and then one that we just make in a panini press here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're still good. So at least you're working at a club that is good. I'd say it's one of it's like one of the better places to hang out as a comedian just because so many people go there and the booker is a good friend of mine. Like he's just a good guy. And like he's really funny too. Well the the worst thing the most soul sucking thing about being in the industry that we are in mm-hmm. is having a job that you hate. Yeah. That's I like some people I mean, were okay so with common. doing it's so common. They'll do anything and then we find, like, John Paul. John will do anything just to make enough money so he can do comedy, and I admire him for that. Yeah. I can't do that. I can't do that. There's so many jobs that I just, like, I will never even bother. Like, I could never be bothered to work retail again. If I have to put on a polo shirt and a name tag, I'd rather hang myself. Yeah. And I hate waiting tables because I get really bad anxiety, so, like. See, I would go back to bartending. If it was only, if I knew there was only going to be extra cash, if I had to go yeah. back to bartending to to make a survivable living. I would hate it because, and again, my age is one of the factors. And two, the other thing would be that I now focus on working for money instead of working for pleasure. Because I love bartending, yeah. I love waiting tables. But when it came to, I have to when like a tight week, yeah, or a week when things aren't busy. Mm-hmm. I get so agitating, angry because I'm like, now it's affecting my yeah, my see, cost of living. See, that's kind of why I enjoy living. nannying because I'm like, I know exactly how much money I'm gonna make every week, and if I get extra, then that's extra. And it's to me, it's just something that comes like easily. You have to do something that I think if you're an artist, you want ideally you want a job that you don't have to take home with you. And when I used to wait tables, it would just stress me out hours after i left but now it's like i leave i give them back their baby i (laughs) say goodbye and i go off and i do my own thing and i don't have to think about it at all until i get there again the next day and that's for me is like the perfect job now were you nannying here before you went over there yeah yeah i used to make dope money because i worked for two families I watched a baby in the mornings, and then I watched, like, three boys in the afternoons. And then on the weekends, I used to do princess parties. So I was making, like, six or $700 a week, and that's how I paid for my trip out there. That's how I paid for school. Like, it was – I saved up, like, 15 grand to move, and now it's, like, all gone. <laughs> <laughs> What's a princess party? A princess party is when you dress up as Cinderella, and you go to a, a little girl's birthday party – 
and you do things like face okay. painting and balloon animals right. and story time. So you're a clown, but uh, dressed as a princess instead. Oh, yeah. Okay. It is the best. Uh, I was friends still... who are cl- party clowns and friends who are party magicians. I don't know if they would agree with you. Princesses are better. Not going to lie. It's a better gig. Princess party, there's no... No bratty boys running around. Not really. And especially when... not. I mean, it's like mixed. It's cute when there's little boys because they don't want to admit it, but they obviously have a crush on you. And then there's like... There's like the little girls who when they're like three or four, they truly believe that you are Cinderella. And it is the most magical thing I've ever experienced. Okay. Like when I used to be the girls from Frozen, like they, people paid ridiculous money to have both Anna and Elsa at their parties. No, you're, and, and you've it, always, your, hair, your hair color is naturally dark, right? It's like reddish, yeah. like a brunette. I was going to say Auburn. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't tell in this light if the yeah. Auburn, if it was naturally Auburn or it was brown with a red highlight or a reddish highlights. But, um. Do you do a do you wear a wig when you're doing like Cinderella or yeah okay yeah so like me and this girl we would go as like the we would go as like the duo like the Frozen girls it is the closest I will ever know to what it's like to be in the Beatles like, <laughs> these girls were oh, that's obsessed a stretch. <laughs> oh no you have never been like we would go like they have these places these crazy places that i don't know why parents ever take these their children there but it's like chuck e cheese without the seediness it's called my gym or you know there's a few places like it my gym is just one example but you go in and it's like it's like a big styrofoam jungle gym place and these kids there's like tumble mats and like sometimes like a ball pit it's just like basically like an indoor playground for these kids and it's it's cool but they sometimes the they would pay us to come in like the people there just to get more people in that day or like we would be there for a birthday party for the kids and then it was like we were surrounded easily 50 to 100 girls would be like we couldn't move we were just enclosed and like locked in by these children and then we would do a sing-along we would play the music and they all knew the words and some of them would like cry they would all scream. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. It was I insane. Don't, I don't ever remember being that emotional about anything as a child. That's what, uh, like, people do that. Yeah. But I just, I don't get that. I That's never how I would have been if Ariel had ever been at my birthday. I totally would have cried. That would have been the best day of my life. But I'm a crier also. Yeah. Like, my sister gave me Jim Carrey Canadian stamps for Christmas, <laughs> and I burst into tears. Uh, (laughs) they're stamps but they have jim carrey's face on them i get it it. but they're still and i love stamps oh my god (laughs) jim carrey stamps oh well well teach your he's my future ex-husband fyi (laughs) well who doesn't want to follow up Jenny McCarthy's toss aways. <laughs> <laughs> you just got a little bit sad about that now, didn't you? <laughs> no, he's a genius. I can say nothing bad about him. Uh, no, he's a great and amazing. And I'll say this to her, as cuckoo as she is, I still find her, ama- yes, attractive, yeah. but also charming. And I, I hang on every word she says. Yeah. Well, so Jim Carrey's the reason why I do anything. Okay. Really? Like, yeah, when I was a kid, I saw The Mask twice. In the theaters. I think I was like four when it came out. I'm surprised my mom even let me see that movie. See, when I was four, 
a movie called The Mask also came out. It was a very different movie. Oh my god! <laughs> the one with Rocky Den, the one about Rocky Dennis. Oh my with god! Eric Stoltz and I think Cher. Um, anyway, <laughs> if you don't know that movie, that reference just went fell fell flat. Anyway. No, I do, but I have never seen it. I know the movie, but I've never seen yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway, um, so The Mask. Yeah. So I knew oh, that was I either also wanted late in to... his career. Well, well, not late. That no, was... because Ace Ventura hadn't even come out yet. Mask was definitely after Ace Ventura. Nope. Because Ace Ventura 2 came out when I was 7. Yeah, 2. Uh-uh. The next one came out, Ace Ventura 1 came out when I was like 5. It was like the year after The Mask. The other one came out when I was like 7. Maybe even 8. I really want to disagree with you on that. We're going to get an answer to that. Uh, he... Ace Ventura was 1994. Dumb and Dumber's 94. Let's go. Was The Mask 95? Um... Did it come out after? Earth Girls Are Easy, which... I, 1994. The mask was it was the same year. 1994. Okay, Ace Ventura was first, and then the mask. So they all came out in the same same year. Okay. 1994. That was a very good year for for Jim Carrey. Yeah. 95 was wow. They really followed up. 94 Ace Ventura. 95 when Nature Calls. That's a quick turnaround time for movies. One year. That seems off. I feel like it uh, well, was. Well, obviously 96. it must have been made. I am being things with Ted. Yeah, I know. <laughs> No, IMDb because I refuse time with to be wrong. Okay, November of 95. So okay, so November. Year. Yeah, so I was almost seven. So, so what? Again, 1994, a great yeah, year for Jim Carrey. It was, and it was a great year for India Pearl. Because <laughs> I fell in love with that man. And I either Who wanted wouldn't? to grow up and be just like... I, I decided in that moment, I was like, I want to grow up and dye my hair blonde and wear red dresses every day and be just like Cameron Diaz. Or I want to grow up and be just like Jim Carrey. Because either I was going to marry him or be just like him. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Carrey. Indian Pearls want to be him. Indian Pearls want to be with him. Yeah, exactly. That was, that was my logic. I think I had my first sexual thought about Jim Carrey. And I didn't even know what sex was. But I knew I wanted it with him. <laughs> so Jim Carrey was your first celebrity crush. Oh, yeah. Easily. Absolutely. All right, I could see that in the age group. Because I also, I knew him from In Living Color vampires suck i think it was and earth yeah, girls are easy yeah, before yeah, yeah, any yeah. of those movies came out mm-hmm. i well um 34 so i'm yeah so know, it was when he was doing in living color was when he wrote ace ventura, ventura. Yep. and when he and when he was like working on the mask so have you gone and, back through his stuff as an adult or did you do that when your teens or yeah like when i was like in my late teens early 20s and i was kind of deciding what i was actually going to do with my life i started looking over the careers of people that I really admired and thought, well, what steps did they take to get to where they are? And Jim Carrey That's actually a good has method. such a fantastic career. And I was like, I want anything, a fraction of what he did. And he started out doing stand-up. And his Showtime special is probably one of the, if not the funniest uh specials i've ever watched it's my i love it and i can only aspire to be anywhere nearly as good as he was as a comic but then when his career started to develop in television and movies he stopped doing stand-up and a lot of people did that like adam sandler robin williams never really stopped doing stand-up but he did for a while and then he went back to it but yeah, he also went back in a time where you could do that. Yeah, Caroline uh, Ray, she's the same way. She did a sitcom, and then she was still doing stand-up. Yep. But it's also... I feel bad for guys like Chris... Well, no, Chris Rock still does stand-up. 
Uh, I feel bad for guys like Adam Sandler and Eddie Murphy right now. Yeah. They're two of the most... They're making movies, but they're just not... Well, they're not good, but that be They're not that good, point. but they're flopping, and it sucks for them well, they because they used to be the biggest thing that there was. But they can't get back into stand-up in this day and age, and that's the problem. That's why I feel bad for them because there's no way they would be able to do. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually correct myself in a moment, but there's no way that Eddie Murphy or Adam Sandler could go out and work on material in front of a crowd and bomb a little bit and not get ruined by it. With yeah. cell phones, TMZ, and all that stuff, there's no way that they could not go to, uh, uh, they could not go to flappers to do ten minutes of no. of, of un- untested material in front of people and it not make it online. Same but thing with that, But I will tell you that that is why people who choose to do that, people who do have successful careers, but they still want to keep doing stand up and they don't want to get judged for it. That's why they stay in New York because people like Sarah Silverman or Louis C.K. They, I mean, I think Sarah Silverman lives. In Los Angeles, actually, mostly, but she when she does, like, I, they do go to clubs in New York that are more kind of underground-y, like, they don't, they're not going to get judged so much there. And I think a lot more comics feel more comfortable working crap out at a place that they know they can get 10 to 15 and it's not a tourist trap. Well, and the reason I'm going to correct myself is because um, David Spade's been doing um, interviews and tours lately, and he has been t- talking in the in the interviews that he's getting Adam Sandler back in some of his shows. Like he'll give Adam twenty five minutes oh, on some of his God. shows, and he's getting the the, the the vibe back. And I think they're going to do a small tour. That'd be awesome. Up. That would be. I mean, to see, and I think the tour is actually it's going to be Spade, Adam Sandler, and I think Kevin Nealon and somebody else. Yeah, Kevin. Like, can you Nealon imagine is seeing great. those three together yeah. doing just just doing stand up? Yeah. Having fun on it again. That'd yeah. be so entertaining. Yeah. Think about what you want about the movies and if, whether he's got... Well, Kevin Nealon is probably the one out of all of them that has stayed the most consistent with stand-up. And yeah. he comes into Flapper sometimes. Like, he does... He He's great. He's a great performer. Uh, Dana Carvey's another one. Like, he still does stand-up all the time. His sons do it now, too. He takes his sons, like, on tour with him. I think I heard of that that his son was doing stand-up somewhere. Yeah, he has two two kids... And they're, I mean, they're awesome. I love them. They're great kids. I'd say kids, like, they're so much younger than me. They're not. They're, like, 20 and 24, I think. But I, I'm friends with them, and they're, like, they're funny. They're good. And it's awesome that their dad is taking them to do real time at real clubs so they don't have to, they don't have to deal with the same bull crap as some other comics who are just doing, like, three minutes a night. Well, yeah. So, but it's good that you work in an environment where you get to see that because yeah, it's I mean, I don't, cool. I don't hang out well, here in Boston. We don't really have any clubs. We have laugh. That's really it. I mean, you got Nick's. Nick's? Yeah. We got Nick's and Dick's, uh, <laughs> and you got the studio. But you don't run in. There's no. There's no. There's not a lot of crossover. You you. It's yeah. like you pick one to well, be your home. I think you're not because seeing. the owners are not friends. It's yeah, weird. which is weird. That's so dumb. But the pr- real problem is, is you're not getting fresh. The only pe- the only fresh co- fresh comedic voices or outside of this New England area yeah. is Laugh Boston, and a little bit of the studio. Everyone do- who comes into town does drop in at the studio, so you'll see, you know, Brendan Smalls or mm-hmm. or uh, Maria Bamford do yeah. time at the studio, and that's great to see them in that environment. But the only time you're going to see somebody that. You know, like the only time I'm going to see Dave Coulet in Boston is if he's doing Laugh Boston. Or the Be- Wilbur. Yeah, well, yeah. he yeah, did but laugh. but he did laugh, yeah. yeah. Well, the reason I bring that up is because he could have done Wilbur, probably. 
Yeah, but maybe, I think he played but the it Wilbur. Safe. The Wilbur is like twelve hundred. Yeah, like Stanhope. When I opened for Stanhope at the Wilbur, and that's a twelve hundred seater, but he'll sell out the theater. Yeah. But Coulier, I think. Well, he just started. Laugh, laugh does what three hundred. I don't even think it's, it's that many. I think it seats 300 at capacity. Okay. They don't always have all the chairs up. Yeah. Um, I think it's 250 regularly, maybe okay. 300 yeah. max, maybe. So I never bothered to look, but. Yeah. I think when they when they were opening, they built themselves as a 200, 200 to 300 Yeah, they were like, we want to be the people that can get good comics in that might not be able to sell out. The Wilbur. The yeah. Wilbur. Yeah. They're basically people who are on their way up yeah. or down from the Wilbur. Yeah. And but that's where you're going to be able to. Uh, I'm I'm never going to be able to interact with them at the Wilbur. No, I'll be able not. to be able to interact with them at Laugh because in between sets, like uh, Ari was watching uh, Ryan Donahue set when Ryan uh, was hosting for him a couple weeks ago. Like, Ari active, Yep, Ari oh, yeah, yeah. sitting in the back, literally actively watching him. And I'm like, that's a good guy there. He actually cares about what the guy is doing for him. And I talked to Ryan afterwards about it. He's like, oh, dude, he couldn't have been any nicer to me. That's nicest guy. Oh, too nice. Too nice. Mm-hmm. Didn't get to interact with him because I was there shortly and I left to go try and get a gig somewhere else, which was a waste of my time. That <laughs> uh, was the nightcap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, that's a place where I could have interacted with somebody like Ari. I don't yeah, care yeah, about yeah. interacting with him, but I'm never, I'm not going to be able to interact with him if he's playing the Wilbur. Yeah. But I'm also never going to be able to interact with him at Nick's because he's never going to do Nick's because Nick's is not going to be able to book him. Yeah. Dicks. <laughs> we'll never, not even on Dick's radar would they be able to book him. <laughs> you know? He yeah. may do a drop in the studio and then you can run into somebody uh, of that caliber, somebody that you respect. And, and, right. You know. Yeah, yeah. So it's good that you're in that environment where you can you can run into those people mm-hmm. like that. And it works out better that I work there because then I can go say hi to them and be like, oh, I'm an employee instead of like, oh my God, I'm a fan. I'm bugging the crap out of you. Yeah. And then I, hey, let me pick your brain. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like they and they kind of discourage us from like schmoozing too much because they don't want us to bug people. But it puts the person more at ease when you're an employee. And then they're like, "Oh, you're a comic," and you're like, "Yeah." And then they'll they'll start. They're more likely to want to talk to you because I think it's more like you're allowed to be back there, and there's somebody to hold you accountable if you're fucking weird. <laughs> 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 Which some of us in this business are. Yeah, some people are. Uh, usually I'm pretty good at be- at not being weird with celebrities. Just yeah. Just because I've done so much. Because the only time I've met them are at work or in professional I, environments. I will say, so. though, I did I did cry a little bit when I met Maria Bamford. <laughs> that was a little humiliating. But she didn't really see – she didn't really notice. She's so nice. She's the best. She seems super nice. Yeah, she's like a genius. She <laughs> – well, you know, uh, Emily and Krista got to open up for her at the Wilbur last I time. I did. Down. I did know that. Yeah. Yeah. And she's come, um, Maria's coming back in June. So mm-hmm. we'll see. That's great that she did that. Like, I think a couple of days before she just sent it to me, he's like, hey, any comedians in Boston, if you want to open up for me, send me a tape. Like, openly said that. Yeah. In an open forum, not, hey, find somebody who's good to, and send me a tape to look at. No, she opens like, hey, if you're in the Boston area. Yeah. That's my Maria Banford impression, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I actually do a mean, I do a good Maria Banford. No, we're not going to let you out of this room. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, wait, I haven't done it in a while. I have to think about it. But I did it for an impression show. Okay. And they seem to like it. So, uh, uh, hi, uh, my name's uh, Maria. And uh, I have uh, what they like to call bipolar 2. Oh, my God. That is actually really good. 
<laughs> like when I when I'm listening to somebody, I'm it's like the new gladiator sandal. <laughs> this is like my mark to, to doing a good impression. If your impression is good enough to where it still holds up after I close my eyes, yeah, then yeah, you've nailed it. That's okay. actually. <laughs> God damn it. Well, I did. <laughs> so we were given like, I think three to five and we were actually, uh, it was at Flappers and sometimes like they, they have a decent venue uh, for doing stuff like this. People go in a lot to try to do like pilots or, or TV stuff and, you know, they'll rent out the space for a day for like fake comedy shows for movies and stuff yeah. like that. So the, so there was these people that came in to do, to do a TV show. They were hoping to pitch something for like a pilot um something about like impressions i'm not really supposed to go like that much into it but i can say that much because they said they were doing it It was like open to anybody who to know about it so uh some like some like kind of reality tv thing for impressionists and then so out of the they had like 60 some odd people that auditioned i was i was wanting to do something that i would so i could stick out so i did like i think four minutes as her and then as all her other voices so i took a bunch of bits that she does and then sort of worked them in a different like i just reworded them or i made it a completely different scenario like i think she talks about going camping and i talked about going to the mall or something like that it was that so i mirrored her jokes a little bit and then i did all her voices and it did it was awesome it was one of the most fun things ever done at that moment i kind of felt really proud of myself because i was like oh just like Jim Carrey. Like, he did all these impressions when he was first doing stand-up. We're going to bring it back to Jim Carrey. <laughs> you are Jim Carrey's unintentional protege. It's fantastic. Yeah, I know. I know. That's another one. If I ever meet him, I would just burst into tears. Like, oh, really? I can't. It would I've, be so embarrassing. I've never cried over a celebrity. I can't even imagine. All right. Well, this is my one awkward celebrity moment. Uh, it was... Celebrity, uh, when I tell you, you're like celebrity, really? The lead singer from Goldfinger, John Feldman. Okay. I was in Philadelphia with one of the bands, I uh, with my best friend's band, not a band that I managed. My yeah. best friend's band was playing in Philly. My brother, at the, uh, one of my brothers lived in Philly at the time. So we went up, um, the singer and I went up a day early, hung out with my brother, spent the day walking around South, uh, South Philly, um, Market Street area. And... Both my brother and my friend are vegan, vegetarians or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So we went to this place that does really good vegan cheesesteaks. We're there. If you know the band Goldfinger, they are huge animal rights activists. Yeah, um, I've heard PETA of them. thing. And they are, uh, John Feldman's also, uh, I think three out of four of the guys are vegan and the fourth one's vegetarian or whatever it is. But they're super into it. Um, so we're there sitting there. They had played the night before in Baltimore and I missed them because I was in Philly. Or no, I think they were playing that night in Baltimore that I was in Philly. The night before they were playing in Philly. So I missed them by a night. I missed them because I'm in Philly. They'll be in my hometown the next night. Right. And then next, the night after that, they're in whatever. So I'm just saying this. I'm literally talking about how mad I was that I'm going to miss Goldfinger. That I had so many opportunities to see Goldfinger. I missed all of them. Um, and my brother and my friend get up. They go to the bathroom. We're in this place waiting for our cheesesteaks. And I look up and there he is from me, same distance from me to you. Oh, nice. Looking at the back of the head of John Feldman from Goldfinger. And he turns around. I'm getting a quarter of his profile. I'm like, somebody has to see this. Like, I just finished talking about the guy and he's here. I made, I candy man John Feldman from Goldfinger right now. That's hilarious. So I get up. I'm like, he's ordering. As soon as he finishes ordering, I do the, uh, I reach my hand. I was like, excuse me, Mr. Feldman. Hi, my name's Dennis. I'm a huge fan of yours. Your music got me through a lot of tough times in high school. Your first record. Um, I listened to it over and over again. And I just want to say I'm a big fan. And uh, it's really great meeting you here. And I'm doing the two-hand Aww. shake. And I now I'm out of words. And I'm just like, 
dude. I have to let go. <laughs> yeah, don't let go. Now I'm out of words. And he's like, uh, oh, I'm like, ooh, sorry about that. He goes, nah, man, it's okay. Hey, you know what? This place has really great vegan food, so I'm glad that you came here. He's like, yeah, but I got the meat sub. And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm going to go back over here now. Uh... <laughs> and then he's sitting right behind me, so now I can't even tell him. I can't be like, John Feldman's right here. Like, he's literally head... Oh, his head, head was on the other side. Yeah, yeah he, he was, was on the th- other table. Yeah, 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 okay. Oh, he was literally sitting right behind me, back of our heads too. Oh, and I'm funny. like, I can't tell them about this. Yeah. And I I think, honestly, I would have freaked out had I been talking about anybody at that moment. And then all of a sudden they showed up there. I think it was less me being surprised by the lead singer, Goldfinger, being there. And more of... You were just talking about him. Yeah, yeah. That's my one freak out. That's your one. That's not what. And then Natasha Benningfield complimented the hat I was wearing one time when I was doing sound for her, and I blushed. Because so, <laughs> well, what's her Cameron Esposito on her her latest album? She has, a, I think it was her latest album. Maybe it was another album ago. But she has a whole bit about how her sister goes to visit her, and she had just moved to L.A. And uh, Anne Hathaway comes in the. Uh, it's a great bit. She's she's amazing. Another one of my it's favorites. Another one of my favorites. I met her at the Women in Comedy Festival here um, about, almost two years ago. But she she's like, yeah, I saw uh, Anne Hathaway. And then, like, she, like, sh- stands up and points and, like, shouts. <laughs> she's like. <laughs> oh, my God, it's Anne she's Hathaway. She's like, the Princess Diaries! Or, like, something <laughs> equally embarrassing. <laughs> and I'm like, that would be me. I would do that. Oh, my God. you You grew up. You and your sister grew up just playing princess all the time, then, Jason. Oh no, I it was just me. They did not like princesses. Oh, okay. My sisters. <laughs> I'm starting to notice a princess threat uh, theme here. Oh, in trust our conversations. me, I love princesses. Like Jim Carrey I... and princess. Like Jim Jim Carrey and a tiara is your is is your um, your spirit. Yeah, animal. don't you watch Saturday Night Live? <laughs> oh yeah, no. <laughs> He's the best. Well, what was he? Uh, Living Color. He did a, a what? A ballerina or a fairy or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, what I really need is for like Jim Carrey case. just to be present and then I get to wear a tiara. <laughs> and a flowy dress. Yes. yes. <laughs> While birds do all your tours. Yeah, chores. yeah. It's uh, like him I want to be best friends with. And then also I have a slight obsession with Jennifer Lawrence. I love okay. her. Um, she is and then incredibly I charming out, as a person. I found out that she uh, called Amy Schumer's manager, got her email, and emailed her and was like, uh, don't take this the wrong way, but I'm in love with you. <laughs> and then they became best friends immediately, and they went on vacation in Martha's Vineyard and drank and rode jet skis together. <laughs> and now they're going to make a movie together that they wrote. <laughs> And I'm like, all I have to do is become just famous enough where I can organically charm the pants off of Jennifer Lawrence. That's my goal, is to become just famous enough so I can be friends with cool people. I will say Amy Schumer (laughs) is uh, is cool enough that that she would do that. Uh, I've met her once, and she also went to Towson University, so... Uh, which is in Baltimore. So yeah. you, you kind of learn um, about being a person when you live in Baltimore for long enough. Um, you learn to take <laughs> no bullshit and be there, super right? nice. Which she was not in a dangerous part of town. Oh, okay. She was in, Towson is to Baltimore 
what Newton would be to Boston, but not Jewish. Okay. See, what it's, I like... It's waspy. It's waspy, what usually. I, what I like about her, though, is, like, she's she started in New York, so she has that, like, East Coast snarky thing going, you yeah. know? That's what I like about her the most. Yeah, I don't know where she was originally born, but and I she's know... She's in, in New York, upstate New York. Well, was she born upstate New York? Okay. Yeah, or, like, um, Long Island or something. Not in the city, though. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, she does have that East Coast realism about her like there is something yeah. I, I mean again i've only lived on the east coast but i've lived in three co- uh, three uh, three coasts uh three port cities on the east yeah, coast yeah, 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 so yeah. i know how when i moved there it's like yeah there's a lot of similarities between boston and baltimore and dc and a lot of things that we do different uh yeah each other and like um, she's the, but kind the people. Her, there's so much about the people that are the same in the East Coast. It's like her and somebody like Whitney Cummings are the women that I think about when I think like, okay, who do I have to look up to now that I'm not a clean comedian? And then there's like, cause, cause back when I was young and I was thinking about what I wanted to do when I grew up, there just were not that many female role models who were like super out there and super popular. That we're doing what I wanted to do, yeah. you know? And I've been called a misogynist a lot. Okay. Patently untrue. I don't d- dislike women at all, especially yeah. not for being women. I'll dislike women for being the person that they are, but not because they're yeah, a woman. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. I always grew up with the mindset that women are funny. I've never once in my life genuinely said, <laughs> women aren't funny, right, guys? Like, yeah. well, I've you know never who said notoriously that. Notoriously does say that. Are other women? Oh yeah, yeah, they it's, do. It's but, bad. Like as a woman performer, I can't tell you how many moms. It's usually moms, like soccer moms, who are just not connected with feminism. They don't understand why this is an insult, but they come up to you and they go, "Oh, like you're really pretty. That's so great that you're so funny." Or they'll say, "Like I can't believe that you were talking about like." masturbating I, I always think the same thing and like that's hilarious like too afraid they'll to be say like, something well, yeah and like stuff like that like which is a great compliment but then they'll end it with i never really thought women were funny and then i saw you and i'm like oh god as a kid love lucille ball yeah love rita rudner yeah love um blonde hair kind of looks uh not attractive at all but had her own sitcom butler uh blair butler but Anyway, okay, she's not even a famous comedian anymore. Oh, okay. She, her sitcom went off the air probably while you were still in diapers. Okay, yeah, uh, But Roseanne Barr. Like, yeah, I Roseanne. Al- uh, always. Best sitcom of all time. Uh, fantastic crew. And, but the she had a fantastic writing crew. Yeah. Uh, but it can't take anything away from that. But it was all, she led the charge. Yeah. Of this is what we're going to do. She put the right people in the right places and gave them the right commands to do it. She yeah. She led them. And you can't, I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from her, but she can't take all the credit for how great the show was, but she can take the credit for putting all the correct people and giving them all the correct jobs and the correct motivation. So yeah, that show was fantastic. Why people don't understand that that's an insult, I can't get behind, because what I think, it's like when you talk to somebody and you say, oh, I don't think, I I don't even think women are funny, but you're hilarious. That's like going up to a black person. (laughs) It's like saying, saying, I thought they were all thieves, except for you. Yeah, that's so great that you're a good person and you're not stealing my wallet right now. Like, that's, you can't insult somebody that, it's it's weird. It's hard, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's what I was going to, since we're on the topic of 
of women. Yeah. Um, and you're not going to speak for all women, but you can speak to your experiences. Yes, all women! <laughs> no. <laughs> but you can speak yeah. to your experiences. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't remember where I was originally going to go with this, but I'm going to ask you this now. I have a small fear, even when I asked you to do this, because um, I don't know what it's like to be hit on all the time. And yeah, I can only okay. imagine that... I can't imagine that a woman in comedy... Like, we all hear the jokes that it's like, uh, every time I get an offer from somebody, I don't know if it's genuine or if they're just wanting to put the, their dick in my ear or whatever yeah. they want to put it. How In your experience, mm-hmm. how prevalent is that? Because I was actually slightly nervous to ask you because yeah. I didn't for a moment want you to think I was hitting on you. No, no, like, no. I don't want in LA do they go, hey, do you want to do my podcast? Is that the new, eh, let's have Netflix and chill. Like, I wanted you no. to know, I really want to sit down and have a conversation with you. I, and I, obviously we are and it's great. Does it happen as often as we hear it does to women where they're getting on hit, on hit on constantly by promoters, other comedians and stuff? Is that a slight exaggeration in your experience? I would say... I get hit on more by smarmy headliners than people in my specific peer group. Okay. Like, I think guys in my age group are getting better at not treating female comedians as fresh meat. They are getting better at treating them as colleagues because I genuinely have good friends who are male comics. Not gonna say though that that doesn't mean that like given the opportunity would they sleep with me probably yes but i think that's a problem that you have just being a woman yeah (laughs) like it's like my favorite movie when harry met sally and he's like men and women can never be friends because sex park always gets in the way and she's like that's not true i have plenty of men friends and there's no sex involved and he's like well they all want to have sex with you and she's like what (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no yeah and that's 100 so, true there's uh, I like but that's I like that's like life you know but the th- but what i will say is i wear a ring i wear a wedding ring because i get hit on a lot and it's a problem and the problem that really exists is that i can't say i'm really not interested in you because a lot of men are idiots and they don't understand why i could possibly not be interested in your ugly self-absorbed gross self like i don't you're like it i whether it be they're obnoxious or they're unattractive or they're just not my type they don't they can't conceive of why i couldn't be interested in them so i have to tell them and i have a bit about this that i'm another person's property well you see i can't that blows my mind because i've been turned down by women a lot Okay. And I never walked away as like, her loss. I walked away with going, oh, all right, well, I guess I got to figure out where I'm going wrong. Yeah, like, but yeah, that, dude, that's because I, you're a good person. Or because I have incredibly like self-crippling depression I have and a self-doubt. Whole, I have a whole bit <laughs> maybe, like, where Maybe I I'm not about, right, but I'm yeah, doing yeah, the yeah. right thing. I can say like, I'm like, you know, and I can say this because I'm I'm part Armenian. But I say L.A. has a lot of Armenians. And like I say, like, you know, it's weird that like it's like you might think it's weird that I wear a wedding ring, but it's to ward off predators because if you or if you think that that I'm totally botching my own bit. But if you think that that's unnecessary, then clearly you've never walked down Sunset Boulevard past a sea of very grabby Armenian. And I say, like, you know, you tell them that you you're married and they immediately leave you alone because they don't want to get arrested for stealing property. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, that, see, that's, yeah, it's real. That's the, the struggle pr- is real. That's all right. See, all right. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna comment on that joke first, and then we'll get back to talking okay. about women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that you can get away with saying that about Armenians, but if I said that black people were so grabby with women, it would come off sounding so racist. Might be because of my haircut, the 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 the, the razor, the big down head head cut. Well, because I, think... I I grew up. In Baltimore, which is a very I think that's a, a, a geographical joke as much as it is a cultural joke. Okay. It's also – I think that joke maybe would not land in a city where they didn't have a prominent Armenian culture. See, I worked in D.C., so I understand about the Armenians as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, and, and Middle Eastern Persian area uh, – Yeah, yeah, per- yeah. Persian people as well. And they're fun, they're fun crowds. Like, they will make fun of themselves. They oh, yeah. know they're obnoxious. Like, they we do. as a people, we know we are obnoxious. I – like when, we're uh, loud. Yeah. Uh that that crowd they yeah. I never want cuz when I worked in a hip hop club I had to deal with a lot of them as promoters or just ballers that come into clubs or whatever and I hated that they would make me like them. Yeah. It's like you're a douchey smarmy money throwing jerk off at a club um trying to make it rain and I'm supposed to hate you. But damn it. You're just making me like you. I know. Yeah, all, yeah, for yeah. all the things I hate you about exactly. cuz you're uh, but anyway, yeah. so it is. Is it was is it any is it any worse in LA than it was Boston for you? I um the only difference, honestly, the thing there's it's two different worlds. I think being a woman in Boston it, or being a woman comedian being, in Boston and being LA. a comedian in Boston and LA, it's just two different communities because there are so many more people worried about getting on TV. Or getting noticed and getting a manager and impressing famous people. And in Boston, it's more like trying to get spots and trying to develop your act. Which is why I'm glad I waited until I did comedy for like at least, I think I was doing comedy for over three years before I moved. I had a decent 15 to 20 before I moved. I could have waited longer, but because I do acting, I couldn't wait any longer. Um, But... You know, I think a city like Boston that has a good community that helps you write and develop as a performer while you're not worried about who might see you suck, it's that it's a great city to start out in. And then you can make the decision of where you want to go after that. I don't think it's a great place to stay forever if you want to advance your career past going to Florida once a year yeah. to do like old people homes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, this is when I moved to Boston, it was a pit stop for me. Yeah. And I'm glad I came here because it's so much harder here than it was in Baltimore. Yeah. Cause people are snarky and they're, they're smart. They're smart well, crowds. Not the crowds so much as more as the comedians around me. You're not okay. going to be as good as the people that you're surrounded by. Yeah, that's uh, true. And I'm not going to say I was amazing in Baltimore. And I'm not going to say when I go back to Baltimore, I crush and kill it and I make everybody bow down to my comedy prowess. Okay, yeah. But I do, and I've had guys come up to me and go, dude, you are noticeably better than when you left here. Granted, when that was said to me, it was because it was 10 months later or a year and a half later. Yeah. So there's that balance of, was it because I worked harder in a harder environment or because time actually got me on my side? But... I still watch uh, yeah. what people are doing when I go down there, when I go back, and I'm like, oh, none of this would fly back back in Boston. Yeah, yeah. What these people are doing. Um, so I think I 
got better by working in a better environment. Exactly. Um, and personally, so I don't know. It is does, does comedy scene in L.A. feel like it's a next level up than Boston? Like, does this feel like middle school and L.A. is high school or anything like that? To use that that no, level of progression. No, no, no. I okay. think I think you go to L.A. to try to be on TV and in commercials. You don't go to L.A. to get paid club work. There isn't any. Okay. Unless you're already famous. Okay. Well, I mean, there's, I mean, I again, I know very little if just from other people. If you want to make money from comedy, you, can, you, you can have do to comedy leave now. L.A. Yeah, okay. If you want to make money doing comedy, you're going to go on tour. That's okay. the end of it. Okay. You got to so, get a road manager. You got to go on tour. Because okay. nowhere in L.A. pays you unless you're a headliner. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. But also from what I hear, there's not a lot of headlining spots in L.A. It's mostly all showcases. So you That's get, true, too, yeah. because they also are worried about who's going to be in the audience. Yeah, so do that tight 10 instead of a good hour. Yeah. A, a, a 10 that's so compact and... and yeah, like the last hitting. time I did a half hour, I had to... Do, I opened for this guy. I did a gig like three hours away. Hmm. But that's what you do. You have to go on the road to yeah. do 30 to like... You know, well, it's the same thing in Boston here. Like, there's very little other outside of Nick Sticks and Left for as host and features. There's no money being made, right? But I think there's you'll get more often if you get into the circuit. If you can get in good with somebody like Ryan, then you'll get booked more often on the road out here. There's more road. The New England circuit has more comedy clubs to be going out on the road. Yeah, yeah. There's, that's know? what I'm saying. There's more road here. Like you have to fly. You have to get on a plane. From L.A. From L.A. to, like, get good road work. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, There, the road here is literally by car. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah. I guess that that is the difference, and I, and I agree with you on that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think about, yeah, if I'm in L.A. and it's three hours away, eh, it's a three-hour drive through the desert. Yep. No, it's a, that's a three-hour flight is what you're saying. Well, no, I drove, but that's, okay. I mean, that's an anomaly. Okay. You can go to Vegas and do time, too, which okay. is a drive, like four-hour drive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's. I mean, four-hour drive is not that bad, but it's also travel to and from, that's that's a day's work. Oh, yeah. Whereas, you know, you could put in a day's work uh, driving to Maine, doing a show, and driving back. Exactly. And you'll put in less than a and day's work. that's an work. evening. Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah. Boston's definitely more of a road, driving road town, whereas L.A., you really just have to get out of it. Um, I guess that's right. And it makes more sense when I think about some of the things mm-hmm. that I that I know people, uh, that I've heard people talk about yeah. in L.A. So, at least you're happy there. That's good. Yeah, so yeah far. I'm really happy. I mean, if you're not, you can be honest. I'm no, not going to mark Marin you where it's no, like, oh, I, I want to make you cry. It's nice. But that's good. But, yeah, the, the only, the, uh, what I remembered I was going to say about women is... Because um, you said your comedy idol is Jim Carrey. Yes. I grew up seeing tons of women in comedy. And I, there was a time in my life where I kind of wanted to grow up to be Lucille Ball. Like, I definitely did Lucille Ball jokes and gags to my friends, like, in Catholic school. Oh, that's funny. So, for me, women in, being in comedy was always there. I definitely told Rita Rudner jokes to people when I was a kid. Because I know in <laughs> middle school, when No Cure for Cancer came out, I told that that album front to back to people at school. Oh, wow. Right, yeah. so I've definitely uh, immense plenty of jokes from both men and women growing up. So I, yeah. if, I don't understand when, like you brought up the fact that there wasn't a lot of women comedians well, to be idolized. See, Did you I'll, have? I'll say what I will say about that is I didn't watch a lot of stand up okay. until 
probably high school, maybe college. I didn't start doing stand up till I graduated, and yeah. it was like. I didn't start doing stand up till I was in my I, till I was thirty. Yeah, so but, but I, I was would watching say it there were people like somebody like Lucille Ball, right? I'm a kid watching I Love Lucy marathons. That's not going to be in my mind like I want to be just like her because she's been dead for how long? You know what I mean? Like yeah. Jim Carrey was She was still I think she was still when, alive I, was when I was a kid. back in the 90s, the big people Barely who were alive. doing movies and like really getting attention who were like the most popular like funny people out there like movie wise, I would say were like, you know, Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, Adam Sandler, yeah. David Spade, uh I definitely wanted to be Robin Williams. Definitely wanted to be David Spade when I was growing up. But yeah. again, also at the same time, I wanted to be Lucille yeah, like Ball, Chris Farley, yeah. Molly Shannon. When she started doing her thing, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like women can do this, <laughs> and that was like the beginning for me of like, okay, I don't have to be the Cameron Diaz. I can be the Jim Carrey. Huh. Like That's interesting. Like Molly I, Shannon's doing it. I don't have that perspective. Uh, when I hear people say, it's like, uh, you know, if I heard a woman say that there was no female role models for me growing up, I was like, uh, Joan Rivers. Like, how did you not? But I yeah. never, I didn't watch anything of Joan Rivers till college. I didn't yeah. even know she really existed. Yeah. And that, that. But this is also, people need to understand this was before the internet. Yeah. Like, the internet was invented when I was like 11. Yeah. And then, like, nobody really catch had on. it at their house until I was like. 13 and then it was still like you didn't know how to search the internet you didn't know how to find out about people and i there are like i and i wasn't that into stand-up i was i wanted to be in movies as an actor when i was little and then i didn't think about stand-up until i was probably 19 or 20 yeah see i grew up right i I was grew up right at the end of the the comedy boom in the 80s okay so stand-up was everywhere for me and then in the 90s it kind of disappeared for a while yeah and if it had not disappeared, I probably would have started comedy earlier because it started making a little bit of a comeback in the early 2000s when mm-hmm. I was already in my teens and in college, yeah. uh, post-high school, college. And I was like, oh. But it was still, even at, if you think about 2000, 2001, how difficult, how impossible was it to Google search open mics in 2001? Today oh. you can do that. Yeah. But just a few short 10 years ago. It was I didn't even know that, that that honestly until I was like twenty, I didn't know that 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 how you people wrote jokes. I honest to God thought that stand up comedy was when funny people just stood on stage and talked at you about whatever, and they were making it up as they went along. Hmm. I had no idea that that was something that they worked on for like months, years. It was that was all new to me. It was crazy. Yeah, see, I was such a nerd. I definitely knew that. But I can I see how other people don't. Because yeah. I sure. But I think I had an old, older brother who would tell me, he's like, no, dude, he didn't just make that stuff up. He's been writing that stuff for months. So I had somebody who was just slightly old enough to, yeah, to yeah, give yeah. me the, the yeah. logical older uh, information that you would figure out. But so at least, you like, do you have any, uh, we mentioned Amy Schumer earlier, mm-hmm. you mentioned Jennifer Lawrence. As a female comedian now, do you have anybody who you're looking up to now that there are so many of them present? You did mention yeah, I mean, Carla, uh, Carmen Esposito. I I really love her. Um, I would say Whitney Cummings. Okay. She, what I love about Whitney Cummings is that she herself, like, I don't know. I find, like, when I've met, I've met her a couple of times and she reminds me so much of my older sister 
that I have like a weird affinity for her. Like I just find an odd connection with her and she would probably be like, you're creepy. But like I've met her mom and stuff like when she came to the club and then I was like telling her this funny story about how her mom asked me to tell her every single thing on the menu and like, because her mother was just like, I don't know, she wanted me to tell her every single thing on the menu. <laughs> she wanted she somebody didn't to read it. Want to her. read it herself. And then, and then Whitney's like holding my hand the whole time and laughing with me and being like, <laughs> Oh my god, I am so sorry. And in my mind, I was like, I just want to be best friends with her. And she's also the same age as my sister. Okay. So I just have a, I find a weird connection with her. Okay. Um, so no, no, it's hilarious that <laughs> you read that you feel that affection towards Whitney. Uh, Whitney yeah, Cummings. I I wish like I could explain to her how I have a weird affection towards her. Yeah, because you can't you can't tell somebody that it's like oh you're like you're just like my older sister. To, uh, yeah, I feel like you're my older sister. And uh, I don't yeah because I don't know how she'd feel about that. Like somebody somebody could be really touched by that. Like, but then somebody yeah, it's easy else to say that like ah like, oh, dude, we're like brothers. But yeah. sometimes like. Dude, you're I'd be like, like my you older remind brother. me of my older sister and you yeah. make me miss her. And like, I just want to <laughs> hug you. And she'd be like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> this again. Oh, well. So do you ever play comedy for the baby when you're nannying? No. <laughs> because it's all, because it's Whitney Cummings and she's dirty? Well, yeah. And because, well, she's not, I mean, she's only eight months old. Yeah, that's why I'm saying. And she doesn't. You play it, she's not going to notice the No, difference. I usually play like music like kids music and i and i sing with her or i like do like or i'll put on a podcast because in my mind if i have npr playing then maybe she'll be smarter than me <laughs> and she, she'll be smarter than you not get not become a comedian and, not and a nanny a comedian. yeah yeah is there any any uh certification to be a nanny by the way no just okay. learn how to do cpr okay and don't kill children <laughs> So, all right, don't kill children and learn CPR. You know what? I know both of those things. Yeah. Actually, I know how to I mean, not kill children. you have to like it. I know how to not kill children because I know how to really kill children. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to like it. I mean, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Especially that. with infants. I mean, this is my sixth baby. Yeah. Well, it's mostly during the day that you work with, with kids, right? Yeah. So that's perfect for comedy. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And plus, I leave, you know, I go eat dinner, and then I go to a club. Well, it's also, you have the joke of, I think you had the joke where it's like, you put the baby down for a nap, and then you also I also get to, nap. Get yeah. Nap, so. Which is great, because when you have comedy hours, you also don't want to get up at seven, like real people do. <laughs> yeah. Well, does the, does, does the, uh, does the nannying hours affect having to act? No, we talked um, about, you talked about doing no, night shoots. You know, if, if. Or auditions if or anything I have like to that? Get, if I got a commercial that paid really well, I would just take the day off. I would okay. just tell them, like, look, I'm going to make a grand. Or, like, God for not God forbid, but, like, if I was lucky enough to get something like a Subway commercial, that's, like, 30 grand. I'm not going to say no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to take the day off, you know? And they understand. Well, well you take the day off to do, the... do it, yes, but what about auditions? So I don't get enough auditions for it to be a problem. Okay. I'm probably like every other week or once a month. Like if you were doing less nannying, would you get more auditions? You no. Think? Oh, okay. Right. No. I just if something comes up and I think it's a good audition, I'll take the I'll take a couple hours off. Okay. I'm lucky enough where they can do that because the dad works really close by. Um, not everybody can. You, I probably could make more as a nanny. I know nannies. I mean, not personally, but I know there are nannies who work in Beverly Hills and they make $50,000 a year. Fuck that. But I also do not want that to be my life. So 
I take a pay cut because I know how much I need to make to get by and they help me out because they're yeah. my friends. All right. And the last question. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever pawned off the baby as being your own for, for any reason whatsoever, like a parking ticket or a discount <laughs> somewhere? Or even it's like, have you showed up to an audition while na- nannying the kid? It was like, yeah, no, this is my kid. I need to feed my kid. Look how no. scrawny my kid is. Really could use the acting work. No, I've never, I've never pawned it off. I've never done anything like that. But I do allow people to think that it's mine because it's just easier. Easier, yeah. Yeah. So, all right, cool. Well, glad you came in. Sorry, we had a long walk from the, a long cold walk from nah, the train. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're from here. You should. I'm get still used to a it, New but... Englander at heart. I can deal with the cold. Yeah. You know what? I feel bad though uh, about this one thing because when we saw each other at um, Hundred First Jokes at IB, mm-hmm. um, there was like you and like three or four other. Boston, LA comedians. Yeah, and because I recognize that because I was I was I uh, worked I did a show on Wednesday with one of them. Yeah, um, and I met another one. Like, uh, hi, I'm Dennis. We've never met. You're the one person out of every, 140 people in this room. I don't know who are yeah, you. Yeah, hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she was an LA comic. I knew you were here, Caitlin, uh, and like two other people. I was like, oh, I need to wrangle you all together and make sure you all meet each other. So when you all go back. You now have a collective of We all know Boston. each other. Okay. I assumed you did. We all do. I I'm promise. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> but. You know, I, we all moved. Actually, the people that you're talking about, we all moved within like six months of each other. Oh, yeah. Kate, no, Caitlin, Caitlin did, and I went to school together. We yeah. did the same program. Well, I knew she Caitlin. Did writing. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, there was like uh, Deirdre Devon was there. And okay. She moved out there like 10 years ago. Oh, um, okay. But she also doesn't do stand-up as much, but I know yeah. she's done flappers. Uh, but also, I, I have that. I'm the kind of guy that has to introduce people. Yeah. yeah Even yeah, if they yeah. know each other, I have to introduce people. And, that's, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I have to apologize to at least one of you that I did not introduce the rest of you, even if you already knew each other. <laughs> so, all right. Good talk. Thank you. Get home safely. All right. And there it is, my podcast with the hilarious and funny and charming and delightful party princess and responsible human being. I guess you have to be responsible to be a nanny. This was a fun podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much. Oh, by the way, I do want to say um, I want to give a shout out to some people because, you know, at the end of these things, we all say, you know, like our podcast, subscribe if you like it, leave a review if you like it, five stars and stuff like that. And I just assume it's falling on deaf ears. It's just I assume I like when I did YouTube stuff, I would always refuse to say, oh, like, leave a comment on and subscribe and stuff like that because. Like everybody says it, like we, it should be ingrained that we know to do that. Like, if you just stumbled across this podcast for whatever reason or whatnot, hi, uh, thank you for listening to the entire thing for me to say thank you. Uh, but it's if you like something, you subscribe to it, and if you like something, you tell people you like it, you know. So, I just assume either people are doing that or they're not doing, or I just assume I'm saying it and no one's listening. Um, uh, but people are listening, so thank you. Card cheat and lead liker for leaving comments, positive comments on the iTunes. I appreciate that. You guys give it five star. Uh, I think this is the only two customer uh, reviews that are up. Maybe there's more. I really don't know. I also stumbled across them by accident because I was checking to see which podcasts I had posted and which ones I still needed to edit for today. And I came across two reviews that were left, and I was like, "Oh, warmed my heart. Thank you guys so much for doing that." Somebody actually did that and i appreciate it and i don't want you guys to think that it doesn't go uh unnoticed so i noticed it and thank you guys 
Uh, and I'm trying to stay, I usually generally try to stay away from looking at that stuff because I know I'll become obsessed with it. Like, m- like the statistics and numbers and how many people are listening, how many people are downloading and streaming and what your uh, web clicks and stuff like that, because I don't want to get caught up with it in my head. Cause I know how kind of crazy I am in my head and I will get obsessed and I'll be checking them all the time. And then I'll start thinking of ways. How do I get the numbers up? Well, they listened a lot more on this one, and they didn't listen to that one. And how do I change it? And I'm that kind of a person. And I don't want to be that person. So I try to avoid that stuff. Luckily, I did not have to avoid it. Uh, it just accidentally showed up. So thank you, Cartsheet. Thank you, Letter, And thank you for everyone else who is subscribed to the podcast, who are leaving. If you're leaving, I don't know if you've left a positive review on Stitcher. Stitcher? Stitcher is the name. <laughs> Or I don't even know if it's live on Google Play yet or how you're listening to this. Maybe you're just going right to the deaderdennis.com slash podcast and you're listening straight through there. And if you are, thank you. However you listen to the podcast, thank you guys for doing it. And if you're stuck through for the three weeks of hiatus while I sat um, here at home just anxiously awaiting to get a fixed computer to bring this this podcast to you, if you're returning after that hiatus... I thank you so very much. So, thank you for enjoying this episode of So What Do You Really Do? The podcast where I, Dedder Dennis, sit with people and talk to them about their day jobs. So, thank you guys very much. I'm going to bed. Good night.